kills me. Shameless, yes. shameless, <laughs> shameless. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's May 13, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 199er. This is No Agenda. Party like it's hot and butter. In the morning. Screw me with a f- <laughs> What did you do? Chainsaw. Let's do it again. All right. You ready? Yeah, hit it. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's May 13, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 199er. This is No Agenda. Partying like it's Episode 199. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the sun is always shining, except when it's not. I'm John C. Dvorak. In the morning. In the morning. In the morning to you and to everyone listening. And to those at sea. <laughs> Who used to say that? Some, those are old times. It used to be a common <laughs> a phrase. To ships in the at, old to, yeah, to, to people from all lands and ships at sea. This is the is the BBC News. Do, 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 do. Um, so uh, lots yeah. of news this uh, over the last few days. Well, I wonder if you um, if you don't mind if I just do a, a little bit of. Uh, Why would I mind that? I think that's the best part of the show. <clears throat> so uh, two episodes ago, I made a bold prediction on this program uh, regarding the next oil rig disaster. Do you recall my bold prediction, John? No, but I'm guessing it would have to be Venezuela. I don't remember it personally. Well, no, it was the Caribbean. I said, look for the next one in the Caribbean. Oh, okay. And uh, if you read the news report properly, you would see that this uh, Venezuelan natural uh, gas platform, which is now sunken into the Caribbean... (laughs) <laughs> off uh, Trinidad uh, t- Tobago and Trinidad Tobago. Oh, okay. So let me just uh, do it again. We told you so. Ha! How did I know it? <laughs> How did I know it? Because it's a setup. This is, uh, you know, Chavez is now in on the game. You know, I don't think that's true. Let me tell you what I think. Okay. I think it's pro- they, he may have been lured into the game because he's an idiot. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> and, sure. and, and the reason that he is, wants to be in the game is because ba- essentially what Chavez gets to do here, he says, look, we had problems with our platform too, but nobody was killed and, and the thing didn't catch on fire and we got to cut it off the, the flow so nothing's leaking. We're better than you are. <laughs> well, everyone gets a Benny when they play along with the game. I mean, he's not just going to do it for no reason. So he gets to tell his people who have to listen to his crap on a day or what's it, a weekly uh, TV show he does? Hourly hour basis, and a half. yeah. Uh, you, you know, the, the Hugo Chavez show. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like no like, agenda, only on real TV. <laughs> he, he probably has. I'm sure he has a bigger audience than we do, but uh, but not as smart an audience, obviously, or they Correct wouldn't be though. watching it, or they wouldn't be telling me where the next um, oil cabal would strike. Which, of course, was exactly right. I didn't dream this up by myself, obviously. So anyway, the um, 
We should do Hugo Chavez show. It would be nice to get somebody to give us a clip, an audio clip of the intro to the show where they, you know, I'm sure it's, it's the Hugo Chavez show. <laughs> In the morning. <laughs> I, like the, I like the clip of that. Um, anyway, so this is a part of the um, uh, Alban Gas Company. So I, I haven't even had time to research him. But as predicted... In the Caribbean, because the whole thing is a setup, the idea is to spike the prices of oil and gas. And we could talk a lot about that. I have a, I have a really funny clip later from Geraldo. Uh, okay. Some, how some of this propaganda is running. Well, let's, uh, before we get into that, let's go and, uh, and thank our executive producers. Okay. We have more than one. That's always good news. We have two. We mm-hmm. have two executive producers and uh, no associate executive producers. And the curious thing, again, is that uh, we have a random number uh, aspect to this. Ooh. We have two people that pretty much donated back-to-back from uh, two different parts of the world the exact same amount of money. Wow. Uh, okay. So we have uh, Matthew Greensmith from Melbourne, uh, Victoria, Australia. Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also says, thanks for the great show, the closest... Uh, Matthew Greensmith, you said? Uh, Greensmith, yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, I can get this spreadsheet. spreadsheet. You know, people put stuff in spreadsheets. Unfortunately, you have to with this, but... Spreadsheet, you don't like spreadsheets? It, it, was, it did kind of revolutionize the computer, the personal computer. Yeah, no, industry. I don't mind it revolutionizing it, but people I run into constantly send memos written on a spreadsheet. <laughs> who does that? Now, who do kidding? I know? I that- just got one the other day. Somebody said, sent me. It was like, a here's the list of this, that, and the other thing. And it was all on a spreadsheet, so I had to boot Excel. That's yeah. a gripe to me because on one of my machines, it doesn't work right. In the morning, John and Adam, thanks for the great show. I think your show comes the closest I have seen to the model that will replace the nothing to see here that has taken over the the news we used to have. My donation is to support the continuation of that process. Hope to see you in Gitmo down under soon. Oh, and we have a D-word call out to Simon Alicia, who needs to recognize the value he's receiving and pay up. Douchebag. See, I'm, for some reason, my, oh, my spreadsheet is, oh, let me, there's an idea. So, of course, Matthew um, oh, came in with the, the first of his three, is this the first of his three installments for uh, I don't know. his night? But it's $333.33, which is a, a good number for us, and it's a lucky number for everybody. Mm-hmm. And our other uh, uh, executive producers, Adam Miller, who is now Sir Adam Miller. Well, not officially. Well, he will be at the, by the end of the show. Yes, so he's right now until for he's got a small window of being just plain just, Adam. Just Miller. plain old Adam Miller, A to the M, nothing speciale. Uh, uh, <laughs> from Perryville, Missouri. Nice. Who also gave us three hundred thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents, and these are both within like like ten minutes of each other. Well, this is. Let's <laughs> get a kick out of that. This is awesome. So um, those are our guys. So and, even, even though we don't have a uh, an associate executive producer, we do have a PR associate mm. for today. And that might be... Well, first let me mention a couple of initiatives that I like to do at the top of the show. Uh, we have uh, another kind of site that's out there. It's not a, a cool domain name, but I did want to mention it. Noagenda.status.net. Of course, all of these are uh, put into the... Uh, 
show notes at noagendashow.com. Do we have a master list someplace of all these linked sites? Well, uh, the, all of them are in the show notes under links that rock on every single show. Do we have the guy who did the, uh, I, I just got. No, no agenda, we have noagendanetwork.com which is starting to really list all of the... Uh, okay, because we got yeah. the guy who does the uh, floor mats. I got my floor mat. He actually sent two. I think one is supposed to go to you. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. Damn you. I want my floor mat. I'm coming to San Francisco next week. Well, then I'll give you your floor mat. Yeah, I'll have to bring an extra big suitcase. It's not that, I mean, it's not a monster. It's not a rug. It's a floor mat. It's like, you know, just a small, it's not small, but it's, you'll see it. It's perfect for the kitchen. Um, it says no agenda in the morning. It's for, quite nice. Perfect for the kitchen. It's perfect for the kitchen, right? Does it, does it come in multiple colors? No, it's black with the no agenda logo and the, uh, uh, one of the, lo- no, one of the many no agenda logos and the in the morning uh, moniker. Yeah. Hey, would you mind Twitter, uh, tweeting, Twittering? Have you done that? I already did. Oh, good. Okay, then we have another great initiative. I actually installed this myself. This is from Brent Mosley. Uh, Adam and John, I just uh, got done creating a No Agenda browser toolbar. Now, normally, I hate toolbars. I don't install them. Uh, I, I find them to be malware, etc. But he's... Uh, He's created one which I'm just going to have to presume is safe. I installed it, and so far everything's still running. The features include an easy embedded No Agenda stream player, easy access to the No Agenda chat room, compilation of the links that rock section, which is nice. It's done in like an, uh, a hierarchical drop-down menu so you can find all these sites. Uh, Twitter reader, which, is fo- which follows No Agenda, Adam Curry, and The Real Dvorak. A No Agenda RSS feed. Embedded streaming of TV news from across Gitmo Nation. One-click page translation. Uh, a Google search bar. Customized No Agenda network search possibility on its way. And a direct link to the donation page. Not unimportant. So I think that's cool. And you can that's find more than cool. Yeah, No Agenda toolbar.rtoolbar.com. This will also be in the show notes. Don't you think that deserves an associate public relations thing? Um, well, you know, we only have one PR associate per episode, and I haven't even gotten there yet. Right. So it, 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 it's, a, with rec, it's a with commendation. I mentioned with commendation. Let's put it that way. Then I got, I can't ignore the fact that uh, several people nominated you to be PR associate of the, um, uh, of the week for, uh, for your work on This Week in Technology, Leo's Twitch show. People thought you did an excellent job, particularly when you, uh, when Callie said in the morning and then you said in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, it was actually. We should have clipped that out. Yeah, it went. Uh, she said, "In the morning." I said, "In the morning." Yeah, in the <laughs> yeah, morning. You, you yeah, did it again. In the morning. You did it again. Now I'm go- now as I tell people about the PR associate, I'm going to send you this picture. I've, I purposely held off on sending it to you because I wanted you to get the full effect of the surprise. Um, you know, uh, one of the people who listens to the show is uh, Pat Wilson from Weezer. He's uh, we've had an email with him back and forth. You remember this? Yeah, I, I'm waiting for the photo. Do you know? I haven't sent it yet. Do you know the band Weezer actually, John? Uh, no, I don't. I don't listen to bands anymore. I don't know. 
What do you listen to then? <laughs> Classical music. <laughs> and bands don't perform that? What is it? Comes out of magic. Those are orchestras. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I don't have anything handy. Uh, they here. I'll, I, I do have something handy. Hold on. I'll play you a little bit of uh, weed. You'll say, "Oh yeah, those guys. They've had some huge hits." You're not gonna send the photo. I'm gonna send the photo. All right. Uh, here's one of their uh, many hits. I'm playing this from uh, the iTunes Music Store. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard these guys. Okay, well, they're... So I am familiar with the band. They're, they're, they're actually outstanding. Is it? This is their big hit. Right? Okay. Yeah, they have a big sound. Yeah. Uh, it's a good sound. I like the big sound. So so uh, Monday night on the George Lopez show, which I believe is on TNT. Or something. Something like that. Uh, they are performing on the show. Also, uh, so they taped this last night. And he sent me a picture. Also on the show was Donald Trump. And uh, I just want you to see what they will be wearing. Uh, I'm waiting for accept, John, on the Skype file transfer. There you go. Uh, look at what they will be wearing on the show, and people will freak out. when they, Because, of course, you're going to have to watch on yeah. Monday. But I wanted to make uh, Pat Wilson and Weezer the uh, PR associate for uh, No Agenda Episode 199er. I'm waiting for your reaction. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> cute. It's awesome. In the morning. <laughs> so, should we tell the audience what? Uh... Yeah, we have uh, Trump. The picture. Well, the picture will be linked in the show notes, and I yeah, think you'll appreciate course. it. But it's a guy in a bunny costume. Another guy in a. Well, it's uh, the guys from Weezer. Yes, the guys from Weezer. The Weezer uh, guitarist and the uh, Trump and the lead singer and the bunny outfits with a crown or something. I don't know what they're dressed <laughs> With an in-the-morning sash. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be any bigger. <laughs> in yeah, the no, morning. That's, uh, that, that, come on. That, that, so they're that, our official band now. Yeah, that's right. Weezer, <laughs> the official band of No Agenda. I love yeah. it. All right, so we want to thank um, Matthew. And Trump is looking like he's totally... You know, I would ask, what do you, what does what this you, mean? What you, why am I here? <laughs> am I here? This is the craziest picture because it makes Trump look like some sort of a, he just doesn't get it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right. We want to thank Matthew Greensmith and Adam Miller for being our associate, uh, our executive producers for episode uh, 199. You know the drill by now. You can put it on your resume. You can put it in your email signature. You might be able to get some IMDb credit, but definitely it is known in Hollywood circles to be a credit that means something. Value for value. So please, let us know and let everyone know what the formula is. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Okay, Weezer, sing along. Shut up, Snake. Chat room's going nuts. They want to see it, but I don't. So I, let's. I don't have uh, to it. Well, you want to send it to them? Well, I can't send it to the chat room. I can put it on a link somewhere. Nah, nah, don't nah, get nah, it. Don't get it in the show. Wait until the show notes come out. Give so us, uh, give let's get right to a, a topic of interest. <laughs> I don't want to talk about anything but this right now. Okay.
you spent like I don't know what were you complaining about how much money it takes to send stuff over and apparently you oh, yeah, got my, my, my shit arrived giant by box the way. of crap and it cost eighty bucks. No, no, hold on a second. No, Mickey, what I heard. Mickey, Mickey had her stuff come in from Amsterdam. She had to pay eighteen hundred. My shit comes in from London. I paid eighty five. Right, so somebody's scamming somebody. Yeah, and my boxes weren't opened. I know that because my LMG-99 Japanese light machine gun arrived fine. My double-barrel shotgun arrived fine. My ammo for the shotgun arrived fine. So they didn't scam Wait a minute, anything. you're smuggling arms? Yes, absolutely. I'm proud of it. And nobody cares. This is the way, this is our... <laughs> I'm telling you, I have a Japanese machine gun in my boxes, and it's marked, labeled, guitar, <laughs> which is like the oldest trick in the book. I should, I should have put cello. <laughs> yeah. And I paid 85 bucks, and it didn't open a single box, but oh, yes, customs scanned it for you, for your convenience, sir. Well, I'm sure they scanned it. So wait, so let's go over this. So let, Give some background to the people out there. You had moved... Your stuff from London and Mickey, who you're now living with, moved her stuff from Holland. Yes. And there seems to be a discrepancy in the way both systems were handled. In other words, the London stuff came in. Uh, no, both, both systems were handled the same way. The rules state Department of Homeland Security uh, is by law uh, outsourcing the unloading and preparation for scanning of all goods shipped into the United States. Okay. So um, they have a, and these are published prices. These prices were published in 2005. Um, it costs more for garments. Apparently, it costs nothing for boxes containing <laughs> weapons, machine guns, machine guns. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, she wound up paying eighty five hundred bucks. I thought was it eighty five? Sorry, eighteen hundred, and I yeah. and I paid eighty five bucks. And my you paid stuff, eighty-five bucks. Now, yeah. why was her so expensive? With the was her box a thousand times bigger? No, no. She uh, her box. She had mm, four four times as much stuff. So, it, in, if in calculation so scenario, buff you know should be a little less I mean, than four hundred bucks. At, at the wildest calculation, let's say it was a thousand because she had a lot of clothes. But you know, how hard is it to, to check clothes? I mean, what do you mean put? Thousands of kilos of of heroin and clothes. Hey, honey, your bras seem pretty puffy. So yeah. Now, how come? How come you? Uh, how come you only want to talk about this? Do you, are you on some kind of thing? Or no, I thought that you were complaining bitterly about what a scam this was going to be, and you knew you were going to get ripped off by the time your stuff came, and you were worried sick. Well, this about it. this shows you how big the scam actually is. I think I think coming in at such a low number shows that that this makes where, no who's sense. Who's charging this? I mean, is it is it, it has something to do with the thing coming from Amsterdam versus London? No, because uh, and I, who, and I where, where does the, the bill come from? Is it American companies? Yes, we mentioned that last time. There's uh, there's only one company in Los but Angeles. That's, see, that's, that's what I'm doing get, that's that. what I'm getting at. Is why was yours so cheap? I don't know. I mean, you ask the shipping company, like, look, we can't really explain it to you. This is the bill they give us, and that's we have to live by that. It must be one of those things where they're just ripping off the women, you know, like the car repair places. <laughs> hey, lady, your fraggle's broken. It yeah. looks like you're going to need a new one and a new belt. It could be. 
but it's uh, it's the truth, and uh, and I just find it funny that I'm that I that I have a <laughs> Japanese machine gun in there, and and I have ammo. <laughs> yeah, the ammo is particularly disturbing. <laughs> I don't have ammo for the machine gun. I'm still looking for a magazine, and I think it's the 7.7 millimeter ammo. I'm sure someone out there can help me. Sure, it's like five bucks a bullet. So anyway, uh, now I, w- I understood that the thing came. It looked like somebody just. It looked like it was just a mess. It wasn't very well organized in the box. No, that was a different problem. It was uh, it was packed uh, in London at my uh, ex wife's house, and I think that here's here's how they did it. Hey, that's his shit. Throw that in that box. <laughs> Seriously, it's it, not yeah, a pretty. Well, that's sight. the way it works. The stuff arrived pretty mashed. It's not. It's not. <laughs> but the machine gun is safe. Well, <laughs> probably happy. the most rugged thing you got. What about your uh, audio gear? Yes, all of it's here. And this weekend, I'll be setting it up. Uh, I have some uh, plug conversions to do because uh, you know they're all. They all have the um, the UK those crazy UK plugs, which are bigger than my head. Yeah, those crazy UK plugs. The UK plugs have three big prongs, and there's and always there's a, and, and there's a fuse, and fuse a switch in the plug, and a switch. Yes. Yeah. Well, they don't want people getting killed. That trouble with two twenty, which you know, a lot of people don't realize, and you have to be careful with around two twenty. It's unlike one ten. With one ten, you get a jolt and knock down your butt. With two twenty, you're just it just drops you. You're dead. I've always wondered why uh, why we have uh, one ten and the. For safety reasons, we the, the United States early on decided that it was better to have one ten because it was safer, really, uh, and it would kill less people. And because we have liability issues in the United States, we're a legal country that sues, do, does a lot of lawsuits. The Europeans don't give a crap, so they basically say, "Yeah, you know, the guy kills himself; he's an idiot." So that's why they have to twenty. <laughs> it's just to summarize. Just an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> So, so there's between the our kind of nanny state and their kind of nanny state. Hey, do you have a pet peeve today? Because I, I got something for you. I probably do, but you know these things kind of come up upon they, they, they oh, okay. sneak up on me. All right, all right. If it happens, I'll I'll be on the ready. Okay, I got a lot of stuff to talk about, but maybe I should uh, let you go first. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I don't have the the. Uh, the well, hold on, I can get it real quick. I like Rajiv Baba and Big Brahman in the morning. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? That's from The Simpsons. They're on board with the program. What are you playing? I don't know. In the morning. <laughs> People send me the craziest stuff. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Keep sending him stuff. Keep him busy. So let's talk about. Well, we can talk. Well, let's here. Let's run a humorous clip. Betty White. It says Betty White on Saturday night. This is the was the big talk of everything last Saturday. Yeah. Oh wait a and, minute. Why don't we? Uh, I think uh, and, I think this qualifies, uh, John. And now back to real news. And yeah. this is the reason. This is the reason everybody is all worked up. Hey, everybody, look what I wrestled up. Oh, oh Young woman, you get that fish out of my parlor. What has gotten into you? She's a lesbian. <laughs> okay. All right, which brings us to ah, Kagan. Ah, yes. This is, very, this is a very interesting story, and it has uh, 
It has people talking, really. I have it. I have uh, the links, including the one you sent, listed under uh, the Ministry of Truth. Well, here's what's interesting to me. Now we're gonna we're talking about the Supreme Court nominee, who was the elephant in the room when she was first <laughs> pun intended. When she was first nominated, uh, nobody seemed to want to discuss the fact that she. In fact, when we mentioned her on the last show, I had a number of Skype. Uh, messages say just all the word was just lesbian well can i just say one thing that uh the we mentioned her on the two shows ago and i said hey the white house has just announced that they don't think there's any problem with her being a shill for goldman sachs that that to me is a little more important as to as to whether she's gay or not i agree but what I found interesting is that they didn't want to talk about her being gay, even though now they say, oh, that's all we talked about, which is bogus. Because I have I, I watched show. I hate doing this, but I watched show after show after show. I watched right after her nomination, right after they started getting into it. First, I watched Oberman. Then I watched Matthews. And then I watched uh, who's the guys. Uh, there's a couple more of these on the other on the other. Oh, uh, uh, Fox, I watched uh, O'Reilly. Yeah. I, I put these on the DVR so I could run through all of them. Mm-hmm. O'Reilly, I watched. I, I didn't see Beck, but you know, I didn't miss anything. Yeah, really. And, but but then I said, well, they're all ignoring the elephant in the room. They're not going to talk about the fact that she she appears to be gay. We don't know if she is or not, but she just carries herself like a gay woman. And then one of the shows showed pictures of her when she was a college kid. She was actually a cute little Jewish girl mm-hmm. that. It was actually very pretty in a you know in a cute little Jewish girl way, but I could see her having boyfriends. But she is probably she, I get the sense that she's asexual more than anything. Well, before before you continue, Politico reported uh, two days ago that all of her friends now, of course, they're go they're not going by name, which I love. This great reporting are all uh, sending messages saying, "Hey, she's not gay. Uh, she dated guys in college." Right, and even that. Elliot Spitzer. <laughs> Elliot Spitzer, that's the guy who has $5,000 a night hookers. Yeah, my, he's my, my hero. So he's the guy that would know. He says, I did not go out with her, but other guys did. Yeah. Well, Spitzer's actually an interesting character. But anyway, so I get the sense that she's probably not, not gay, but she's not a- asexual. You know, she, she, she's, she's just a no workaholic sex. and yeah. she's kind of given up, you know, because she doesn't look like a person who's like preoccupied with their looks. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But meanwhile, but there's still the, the, the issue exists and there's good reasons for it. And I think Andrew Sullivan discussed this the best. He went on about, you know, and who is openly gay. And he says, you know, this, the, we had, you know, do Obama wants everybody to be open and honest and do all this kind of thing and then now we nobody wants to talk about this gay thing and he says it's important from a from a lot of different perspectives i mean look what they did to clarence thomas when they you know oh, the, the coke can thing with uh, coke can oh, yeah cubic hair who, who can verify any of that 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 horrible woman anita that was hill anita best. hill yeah anita hill so long, anyway long dong silver <laughs> long dong silver you remember all the yeah, good ones yeah, all of the memes. yeah that was awesome so I figure of all people, the person that would most likely to bring this up, and I was waiting for my hero to come to the rescue, Rachel Maddow. Maddow. Oh, boy. She says nothing. And instead we hear this uh, this ridiculous, um, let's see, where is it? I got it on the clips. I must, no, it's not on a no, row. I, I, uh, the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah that's it. 
Okay. <laughs> then we'll just play a little Rachel. You know, and by the way, Rachel comes to her defense without ever def- without ever saying why she's coming to her defense. And she bu- and let me set up one little thing. One of the Republicans starts off this little clip by saying, "Well, the problem with this woman is she's got no judicial experience and she's got no um, litiga- uh, litigation experience." Which she's is got- which is true, right? She ha- she's which she's- is true. She's basically a bureaucrat. Yeah. And Rachel comes out and she twists it by saying, well, now the Republicans are saying she's had no judicial experience. And here's other people that have never had judicial. And she goes on. But she's she's very specious with her argument. She's like cheats. She doesn't say anything about the no litigious uh, uh, experience either. Rachel, is she is as a host. She, and the way they talk about Beck and, and uh, Limbaugh lying a lot. This woman is really probably the worst of the group because she just leaves stuff out in her arguments. It strikes me that if a nominee does not have judicial experience, they should have substantial litigation experience. Ms. Kagan has neither. Senate Republicans pouncing today on the fact that Elena Kagan has never served as a judge. The last time someone who wasn't a judge was nominated to be a Supreme Court justice was in 2005, when President Bush nominated White House Counsel Harriet Myers to fill the seat of Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. That nomination lasted all of 25 days, whereupon Mr. Bush was forced to withdraw his pick for lack of political support. The relevant comparison between Harriet Myers and Elena Kagan is not actually about judicial qualify questions about whether Elena Kagan is qualified for the Supreme Court. Harriet Myers had essentially been George Bush's lawyer, and she'd been White House counsel for a hot minute, and that's it. Elena Kagan, on the other hand, is the current Solicitor General of the United States. That's the person who argues the government's cases in front of the Supreme Court. She is the former dean of Harvard Law School. She is a former clerk to the Supreme Court. She has a nationwide, coast-to-coast, sterling legal reputation. She has been a longtime mainstay of Supreme Court speculation. Okay. Can I, can I just tell you that um, I find it very important that uh, my Supreme, because they're mine as well, my Supreme Court justices must have courtroom experience, litigation experience, and lesbian experience. I think that's well, very, you're going to have a lot of problems with all those guys. <laughs> now, let's uh, let me get, go break down a couple of things she says in here. First, she brings up the Harriet Myers argument, which is a completely uh, off topic way, yeah, way to maybe, the harry myers thing he was didn't pick her because she was his lawyer for a hot minute by the way uh, uh obama Kagan's obama's and, obama's personal lawyer is now uh defending all kinds of stuff inside the administration That's well, and i'm not lame. talking about that it's the fact that she says a hot minute meaning that she just showed up and uh-huh. who, but meanwhile kagan's only been solicitor general since the just less than two years into to the obama same thing but that's besides but she but she completely ignores the fact that the reason Harriet Myers was dropped is because the conservatives got bent out of shape about not about qualifications or anything in between, but it was about out and out cronyism, mm-hmm. which, of course, she could have made a point about cronyism because, you know, uh, Maddow, you know, is always looking to, to, to still score points against George Bush. Yeah, like but there's no cronyism in the Obama administration. She completely ignores and keeps, and now she's just pounding the drum for this woman, who I believe she thinks is a lesbian, and she probably thinks it's a good idea to get her in there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, uh, I think that something else is going on, John. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. The things that I see, one, is that she uh, worked for Goldman Sachs, received money from them. Which and- is never mentioned. 
No, of course not. This is why it's nothing to see here. So, I'll talk about lesbianism. Uh, the other one, um, and this is currently, I believe, in court. Uh, Monsanto was trying to overturn a 2007 California decision that imposed a nationwide injunction on planting the company's genetically modified alfalfa. In March, Kagan's office, that's Solicitor General, interceded on Monsanto's behalf. Oh, I, you got me on that one. Good yeah, one. Of course, of course. He's you know, a, I, you know the way to like, for anybody who wants to like do what we do on this show, deconstruct these news stories. Uh, it's you know the one of the tricks you can use is you put in, I, and I didn't do this. I should have Kagan Monsanto, Kagan <laughs> Goldman Sachs, whoever it is. You know, whoever yeah, you want. Just you know, those push, two. Just start with those. <laughs> Monsanto, Goldman Sachs. Just put Goldman Sachs and then put the person's name. Put it's, so, Monsanto, it's so funny you say person. that. I do that all the time. I also, I also add United Nations and Council on Foreign Relations. <laughs> those, yeah. the, those are the four. And you've done. There's your show prep. There you go. You're, you're done. It's uh, yeah. Nice. I'm 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 uh, trying to do this without cheating. That's <laughs> not cheating. It's totally cheating. It's not cheating. But you know the funny thing is, is that this stuff goes on and it never comes up in the conversation. In fact, the Kurtz article I sent you, which is linked in the show notes yes, on the Washington is. Post, yeah. it just goes on about you know quoting all the different people. They, they made a, a huge smokescreen about this lesbian thing, which seems to be off topic when it comes down to what's really important, which is she's a shill for Monsanto and Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And Perfect. that won't even be I, – I would challenge anyone to find me a clip from C-SPAN where, when they start grilling her. That even comes up in the conversation. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that about C-SPAN because, well, first of all, I hate it when the pro- programming executives put all the primetime shows on at the same time. So, of course, you know, you and I both know that everything that happens in Washington is one big show. It's show business for ugly people. And so I didn't know what to – we have C-SPAN 1, 2, and 3. I don't know whether to watch the financial hearings about the flash crash, uh, about all the oil executives that are blaming each other, or uh, or Kagan. I mean, I'm confused. I don't – there's no, – I don't – I can't – don't have enough – not enough Adam to watch everything. And I didn't record the clip, and I'm sorry I didn't. C-SPAN is now editorializing, and it's starting to piss me off. So first of all, why do I need to have C-SPAN – Two all day with you know with BP you know BP Halliburton and Transocean executives because all you see is a bunch of politicians who are all experts and they're all talking about the blowout prevention and the dead man switch. Well, shut up! You don't do an investigation. Don't take up my time with that. But then you get that you know the woman who comes on sometimes a guy, but it's been a woman for the past couple of weeks. And it says, now we'll go to the Senate uh, hearing about uh, the, oil, the oil crisis in the Gulf. This program lasts about three hours. Right? <laughs> right. So, but, yeah, but, 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 I know they always give you the estimated yeah, time. But now she's editorializing. And it went something like this. We now switch over to the Senate hearings about the, Gulf, uh, the oil spill in the Gulf, where, where oil executives are pointing the finger at each other. This program oh, really? lasts about three hours. Yeah, I, and I didn't record it. Oh, and of course, we gotta you, get one of those on yeah, there. And you can't get it on the C-SPAN archives, which are outstanding, but you can't get it because that's the editorialized yeah, right. it's in between. Just a, it's an interstitial announcement. So, wh- so why is she telling me that they were pointing the fingers at each other? You know? Oops, we got a problem here, John. Yeah, it's your on your side. Yeah, you have a loose connection. Maybe your battery's dead. <clears throat> two. Check two. That sounds like a dead, a, a no, dead battery no, on your mic. Else. 
Oh boy. A little something. Just start uh, replug everything in. You. It's not not that simple. Simple. Hold on. It's not that. Fail. Oh, let me just. What is, uh, uh, Colonel Panic. Everything crashed hard, and of course, when that happens, then the configurations get blown out. And uh, I can't. You know, weren't we just talking about my new studio, John? No, actually, we were talking about Goldman Sachs, uh, Kagan, and uh, Monsanto. We did talk about it earlier. Oh. Anyway, I'm I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> hold on a second. Oh. In the morning. Let me just check that that's all recording. Douchebag. You're hearing all that, right? Oh, yeah, sounds good. Okay, hold on. Let me double check this. In the morning. So uh, are we? Is this? Are we? So, why don't you explain what happened, and then uh, I can do an "I told you so," and then we can get back to the show. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What happened was we were talking. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, I got a kernel panic. I could, could hear, hear, that's when you, that's the Mac equivalent of blue screen of death. And uh, everything started to freeze. I couldn't unfreeze it. Um, I tried to dump out of the uh, Ableton Live uh, so that I could save. Because it, it should be saving directly to hard disk. But whatever happened in this instance, it, it didn't leave anything. Uh, and so I had to reboot. So we did a half a show, 40 minutes of a show. And, no, I think uh, we did 30 minutes. We were at 30, no, 30 minutes. It was 40. Really? Yeah. You sure? I, I, yeah, because I made a note of the time so I could, we okay. could calculate when we we're going to do some other things. Okay. So we have 20 left for this half. Okay. Uh, so anyway, the good news is I think Nerdy Dude recorded the stream. Uh, note his moniker. <laughs> nerdy dude our hero yes and uh and so that's already being uploaded to a server so i can uh stitch it all together for the uh, podcast which most of the people listen although to. you stream at 32k or something so the no, first no 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 we're streaming at 64 okay. we've upped everything and we and uh, and in case you hadn't noticed the quality of the show is now at 96 these days i've gotten no complaints yeah, well, it's a better sounding show at 96, obviously. Yeah. So, okay, well, then we do have the first half of the show, so we don't have to worry about that. Good. And well, I, although we knew this was, you know, we knew, we know that a number of people rec- back up the show for us yeah. in the cloud. Yes. Uh, our version of the cloud, which are individuals sitting in their uh, rooms uh, here and there around the country. Yeah, uh, hopefully they're at work. The show. Hopefully they're at work. <laughs> yeah, they, I know your theory, but they should, they should be at work recording. Yes, this show that's where you should be doing that. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, all right. We so we I guess we were talking about uh, Kagan, and have we kind of wrapped up that topic on Kagan? I think so. Yeah. I think we mentioned the fact that you know we're we're on that at least we we mentioned uh, uh, the fact that you know if people just you know Google people's names with the words either Monsanto or Goldman Sachs, you find out that they're all connected. Uh, oh, I mean, that's we, what it was. We were talking about that, and then all of a sudden, boom, they shoot a magic bullet through the line, and they f- nuke my system. Yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> so, um, but the point is, is that, you know, this is another example. Now we have, essentially, East Coast elitists almost 
I don't think there's anybody not in the Ivy, Ivy League that uh, is on the court, so nobody represents the public. And to make matters worse, they're all uh, stooges for Monsanto. This will come up in the conversation uh, when there's a court case and the uh, judges all, uh, you know, fined for the uh, big corporation. So why don't we do something a little, uh, little light just to get back into the swing of things? Light? <laughs> yeah, something light. What? I have uh, some clips from a television show which are propagating an agenda, an old one, and a new one. I'm listening. Okay, so you're familiar with the program Supernatural? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I may have watched it once. I think it's a, it's a crappy show. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I do. I'm familiar somewhat. Okay, so first of all, they, uh, they like to propagate some memes, so let's make sure we get them in there. Can we commit our act of domestic terrorism already? Let's go. And so what is that act of domestic terrorism? Well, we're going to throw a couple of memes at you. And listen very closely, because this is something you're going to be hearing a lot more about. Something you need to say. Nevis Pharmaceuticals rushing delivery of its new swine flu vaccine to, quote, stem the tide of the unprecedented outbreak. Uh, shipments leave Wednesday. Nevis Pharmaceuticals. Get it? You two are lucky you have your looks. Your demon lover, Brady. A VP of distribution, Nivius. Ah, yes, that sound of the abacus clacking. You all caught up? So pestilence was spreading swine flu. It was not just for giggles. That was step one. Step two was the vaccine. And you think... I know. I'll stake my reputation. That vaccine is chock full of grade A farm fresh croatoan virus. Simultaneous countrywide distribution. It's quite a plan. You don't get to be horsemen for nothing. So you boys better stock up on, well, everything. This time next Thursday, we'll all be living in zombie land. Okay, so you didn't see the show, so Hold let me on tell you second. the premise. Before you say anything more, you watched this crap? <laughs> no, someone sent it to me. Oh, okay. The premise is swine flu vaccine, but this vaccine turns everyone into zombies. And just look around at the slate of television shows and movies that are coming out. It's all zombies, John. The zombie craze is over. No, 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 no. It's getting. It's going to get a lot worse. Look at all the upfronts. We're going to see a lot of zombie stuff. And uh, I always feel with some of this mainstream media stuff, they're kind of like giving us a little message. Like, <laughs> you're all going to be turned into zombies. You watch. It's a new meme, zombies. It's much. It's going to be much bigger than it was. Uh, okay, I'm not buying it. Okay, that's and fine. I say that the reason why is because the zombie thing has come and gone. Well, I may be a little bit more in the media than you. You might be wrong. Speaking of being wrong, um, we talked about the flash crash. Uh, past couple of shows and a lot of people have been doing research sending in stuff some anonymous including this next message um we talked about the russian programmer um who would be related to sergey alenikov 
That's the uh, the guy who uh, took the code and got arrested at Newark uh, Airport and uh, and went to Chicago. This, of course, is my theory entirely, but based upon conversations with insiders. And uh, took that code into the computer room, compiled it, ran it for a couple seconds, uh, seconds brought down the entire market, down a 1,000 points, and it was just a little beta test. And you said, well, you know, it's like this doing this. you got to compile the code. I just want to give you a little bit of extra info. Um, the language that these guys program this stuff in is Erlang. Are you familiar with Erlang? No. Okay, Erlang.org. And uh, I'm reading verbatim from an email from an anonymous donor of information. Erlang has many properties that make it an excellent choice for building highly concurrent servers, one of which is the, the ability to recompile and reload code while it is operating. Under certain circumstances, the Erlang VM will even execute both old and new code, uh, revisions of a code base simultaneously. So very plausible the new code was loaded even while trades were being processed. I can believe that. So I'm really sticking with this. So it's running with a, on a virtual machine, so it, you can probably... Uh it may be very powerful. I'll look into the Erlang language. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of it before, but Erlang.org. There's a lot of these really weird little languages that are specialty languages used for one thing or another. Um, I'm not, I wasn't arguing with the fact that I think something was, was, I'm totally in on the concept that somebody ran some beta code just to see what would happen mm-hmm. and, then to, and then rocketed it away saying, whoops. And I don't know if they meant to crash the market. I'm sure they, I think it may have been just... What, just a test. And yeah, what would happen? What's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, now, let's, the, let's run this virus, see what it does. <laughs> I, uh, I, will, I will say that the SEC is extremely disappointing in, uh, you know, so the, uh, first of all, what's her name? The SEC chief? The one that used to be with the other agency that yeah. she moved where, over where she, to the SEC, the, the, the one that ignored Matt, Madoff and they yeah. replaced Ma- it with the Mary, other woman that ignored Mary, Madoff, that one? Yeah, Mary Shapiro, that one. So she calls all of the exchange chiefs to Washington. And, you know, so without actually. Is saying, she a computer expert? Oh, yes. Well, they're all experts in everything blowout preventers, uh, uh, computer code, Erlang. She looks like she's an Erlang hacker. So, of course not. So instead of actually getting to the bottom of this, which they can't because there's, no, like, there's like 250 different exchanges they have to look at. And they're like, well, you know, it's going to take forever. Yeah, they, the fact of the matter is they need some, some real hackers. That, and it's going to take six months to figure this out. I think, play, I think six months you couldn't even do it. I, uh, I, maybe it might take years. But whatever, play my stock market crash clip, which is, is what we're hearing now. This is what, what, is, what, what it's deteriorated into, which is a bunch of lame excuses. And we don't know this. We don't know that. And maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. I think we're concluding this and we're concluding that. Now, uh, SEC Chairman Mary Shapiro and CFTC boss Gary Gensler are answering from lawmakers on the uh, Capital Markets Subcommittee about that thousand-point market flash last week. Uh, basically, both of them saying that their collective staffs are working around the clock along with uh, participants from the key exchanges to find out what actually caused that thousand-point drop last week. We will get to the bottom of this. I think we will be able to determine what the initial triggers were. Um, That's going to take time. There's um, 66 million trades on May 6th, um, covering 19.5 billion shares of stock. 
Now, collectively, uh, Shapiro and Gensler are telling lawmakers so far they have ruled out the so-called notion of a fat finger trade. They say they've had no evidence of prior securities trading out of the extraordinary, shall we say, no evidence of a terrorist-type cybersecurity uh, attempt at hacking, if you will. And CFTC Chair Gary Gensler, in particular, is uh, honing in on the notion that it really was a confluence of events. Our own review of trading data shows that somewhere starting around 240, some of the most actively traded uh, participants in the futures market, some of these high-frequency traders, started to limit their participation around 242, 243, and so forth. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know, but the limit to participation is where it's headed now. First of all, the guy says it was a confluence, which means it was a coincidence. Uh, oh. The... Uh, the, then it follows up with this idea, and this is the one I think that's 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 getting the most traction, which is, well, you know, these guys, uh, the high frequency trader guys, decide to turn off their program for some unknown reason, and yeah, they not, were recompiling code, <laughs> and not participate, and essentially because the high frequency trading is so dom is so dominant, apparently everybody does. It's not just Goldman uh, that. It's propping up the market. So once yeah. they pull it. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's actually not a bad theory. Yeah, no, it's propping up the market. It's just buying and selling and making things look real active. And then they just they shut the thing down for a minute. And the market just collapses because there's no support. It, 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 what it's really saying is that the market is, is, I would be really afraid if I was an investor with, the, with this one thought that they're starting to propagate, which is that if it wasn't for the high-frequency trading, this market would be down at 6000 well, so let me ask you a question, because I find the timing of this very interesting. This happened just before, um, just uh, days before the announcement of the uh, now, what is it, almost a trillion dollar, quote, bailout of uh, the European Union, the Eurozone, which uh, many uh, financial experts are now saying is probably one-tenth of what will actually be needed. Um, now, the way I see this, I think it's yeah. Well, I'm thinking one tenth too. Yeah. Oh, wow. We agree. So the way I the way I'm seeing this is people don't really understand what is going on with this bailout. I mean, it's not like we're giving money to governments and like, oh, thank you, we needed that money. You know, they have to pay off these loans. And if I'm not incorrect, these loans are from huge banks like Citibank and Goldman Sachs and there's derivatives trades and it's you know all kinds of complex stuff but it's really going back to bankers people who lent these countries the money is that a correct assumption well you're going to have to uh, say it again okay so i see that you know Citibank comes out and says well we do have an exposure to greece it was uh, you know 2 uh, 1.7 billion dollars or something like that so the exposure is greece borrowed money and they have to pay that back because these bonds are now maturing and it's time to pay back the loan right right so but these loans are going to banks so this money that greece is receiving is going to banks it's kind of like i think uh uh, Horowitz said it right. It's kind of like we had a credit card. Uh, it's full. It gets cut up, and now we get a new credit card. But you know, we still have all this debt hanging out there, and it's a never-ending story. But it is ultimately to the holder of the credit card, which I believe are pretty much banks. The money's coming from somewhere. Yeah. 
So it's banks that are lending this money. There may be, you know, there's some sovereign funds, so uh, like the Chinese, uh, you know, but that's still a bank. It, it, it's basically banks. So is it thinkable or within the realm of possibility that the banks are like, hey, you know, you guys better get this, better get your crap together. You better like show us the money. And if not, we're going to crash everything. Watch this. Bzz, flip the switch for two seconds. Uh, no. I, well, I mean, from my perspective, it's it's no, because it would screw, the banks would be more screwed than anyone. Um, yeah, well, so will, will, will they really? Because they'll just get a bailout. I mean, if you from, think it was just like a, you know, a salvo said to scare them and then really never do something like that. But if yeah. they crash the whole system, the banks are, they're, they might as well, you know, just close up shop. They'll never get any money from anybody. I mean, no, I don't think so. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think that this stock market thing was either an accident or was, or a beta test of something, or it could have been a number, but it's something that corrected itself rather quickly. And it looked like a switched kind of a thing. I mean, it did have an on and off switch quality to it. And, um, I don't know. I think it's more nefarious than just a bunch of bankers, uh, either more nefarious or more frightening or just accidental. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just find the whole thing disturbing and it's not, I don't think it's being really looked at uh, from the perspective of uh, there's a lot of implications that are just not being discussed. Well, I, well, so I, I just want to, yeah. Well, I, 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 and I think it was two days before. Most of these things happen like right on, the, you know, like, you know, it was more interesting, your argument that Goldman, you know, got this, you know, indicted and fined. And then it happened that it makes. No, more, I, know, I, I, that was not my argument at all. That, that, I don't think no, that, that was, was my argument. No, no, no. They just so want to make they just want to make money at the end of the day. Yeah, and they, and, they, and they all want to make money, but this whole, you know, the whole you can make a lot of money on the short side. By yeah, the way, no kidding. If it goes that fast, but if we look at the United States of Europe um, with this uh, with this bailout, I, I think we're. I really feel that we're headed towards war. Well, isn't that the theory of our show since the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it really it really seems like it's crazy. You know, I was reading some uh, some Gitmo Nation Lowlands uh, articles, actually. Someone and I had to read. It's an English book, and I had to read it on a Dutch website. It is. This is a, who wrote "Free Fall," written by Nobel Prize winner Joseph Stiglitz, and this is about uh, Iceland. So this is kind of what started things off in Europe. Iceland, of course, uh, was the first country to really be taken down uh, through no fault of the people. No agenda bookstore. Make note. Yes. Uh, So here is an interesting passage from the book. Iceland's banks had, like banks elsewhere, taken on high leverage and high risks. When financial markets realized the risk and started pulling money out, these banks, and especially Landsbanki, now this is, uh, you had the the ice saver accounts, which uh, British citizens and Dutch citizens invested in through the internet, Right. Uh, they Great. these banks lured money from depositors in the UK and the Netherlands by offering them ice saver accounts with high returns. The depositors foolishly thought there was a free lunch; they could get higher returns without risk. Perhaps also foolishly thought their own governments were doing their regulatory job, uh, because it turns out, and this is two thousand eight. So the finance ministers, I guess that would be the exchequer in the United Kingdom and the minister of finance in the Netherlands, which I guess would be Wouter Bos, 
they they should have known or they should have done some what do you call it due diligence before allowing uh, this cross border trade and this uh, and this investment through the internet. Essentially, what these banks were doing was saying, "Hey, you know what? We're we're in trouble here. We're going to need some money. What do we do? Oh yeah, let's get those saps from over there. We'll have them invest and we'll take their money. They literally took their money. And the finance ministers should have at least known this. And this was 2008, way before there was any sign of a problem in the in the public eye. Huh. And so you know, it just seems like it's all all done with uh, with intent, you know. And then, of course, uh, UK and the Netherlands pay their uh, their citizens. They say, "Oh, okay, we'll uh, we'll front the bill," and then they go and then they screw Iceland. Uh, I don't know. You got me on this one. Uh, worse, you probably don't care anyway. Yep. Well. Um, that's- there's this, an element to that. Well, this this of course has nothing to do with finances. It's all about control. The euro is a government project about world government and not not about money. Although of course money controls it all. Brussels Dateline yesterday. Europe announced radical plans Wednesday to pre-vet member states' budgets from the next year, drawing decidedly mixed reactions from euro giants Germany and France. So the idea here is. Uh, we have to we have to look at your accounting. We've got to see what your budgets are, and we're going to determine from Brussels, from Starfleet Command, we're going to determine what you can do. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, this is co- this is control. This is total. Yeah. Control. No, the whole thing's. I agree with that. Everything's about control. The the thing that still gets me, and I don't know how long this can continue, is that it, when you start looking at the nexus of power. In the EU, it always crops up as Germany and France. It's when historically, they're the, they're, they're the biggest. They're the biggest uh, by population. They're the biggest, and they seem to be both you know dominant. They're both a type A personality countries in this regard. When is it? How long is that partnership going to last? Well, it's it never lasted. In, it, throughout history, it's never lasted. The, the, the basic personality types of those two countries is extremely uh, incompatible. So, I mean, would you disagree with that? No, I, I, I totally agree. And, of course, the French and the Brits are always ragging on each other all the time. They have, they have, a, they have a love-hate relationship like a couple of uh, well, yeah, brothers. They, love, hate. They, they love the French wine and cheese and hate everything else. I mean, that's not a real love-hate relationship. Well, that's true. But, yeah, but they, they, you know, I, I think it's less of a genuine personality conflict. I mean, I don't think that, I think that the personality conflict between England and France never see. I mean, I, it's interesting, but it's not to the extreme of of core personalities insofar as the differences are concerned between the French and the Germans. I think there's a core difference between their their the way they're raised, the way they think, the way they operate, everything about them. The French and the and the English is kind of laughable because they've you know. It's just different. It's not. It, I don't see it as a. How many? You know, there there the wars between those two countries ended. You know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. The French and the Germans have been battling for the last two hundred, and they still are, as far as I can tell. I mean, what is there something wrong with that analysis? You think? No, I I, I think that's a good point. I just wonder if it's going to be by proxy. If uh, it just seems so. Now we know France is actually attacking Britain. First. Yeah, well, the British now. The, the Cameron. Okay, here's an interesting thing. I want. I think I have a clip of this. Uh, Cameron's problem. 
Yeah, why don't we play that and then we can go into it. The, the fact is, you know, this is something Americans don't under, fully understand because we've been taught in school, and I can assure you we've been taught in school, that England is a constitutional monarchy and the monarchy itself is a figurehead position that has no meaning. That's what Americans generally think. That's not what I think. Uh, I, mean, I know, if, and if, I if think, yeah, and obviously, the, if you play this clip... You, okay. it, it, All right, I'm just saying, if her name is on the dotted line, she may be a figurehead, but her name is on the dotted line. Over to Simon Hobbs, it's certainly been a big day uh, for the British government. Uh, we want to get a look at sort of the wrap-up of everything that's been happening there and talk a little bit more about how it's going to affect the currency market. Simon, uh, if you would, just recap the day's events. Well, effectively, 13 years of Labour Party rule, Trish, in the United Kingdom have come to an end under Tony Blair. Um, and more lastly, of course, the man who was his finance minister, Gordon Brown. We had an election last Thursday after five days. Finally today, Gordon Brown resigned as prime minister because that election of the three parties gave none of them a majority and he couldn't do a deal with the third party in order to gain office. There you see him walking out of Downing Street uh, to go and ask the Queen uh, if he could uh, move on in life. She then asked David Cameron, uh, who is the head of the Conservative Party, if he would kindly form a government. He is now therefore the Prime Minister, uh, and indeed we believe, or it's uh, apparent that he is going to rule in a coalition with the third party, the Liberal Democrats. The scale of Cameron's task, and this is what the markets are focused on, Trish, is absolutely enormous. Outside Downing Street, as you see him there, he spoke about confronting problems, facing up to challenges, and front and centre of those challenges are the British deficit. This year expected to be $250 billion, that's 12.8% of GDP far more severe than you have here in the United States. And the expectation, the demand from the Treasury is that he has cuts or tax rises equal to 5% of GDP, uh, $105 billion. We have an emergency budget uh, which he will go ahead with within 50 days. That is the promise. The question for the markets is exactly how we'll steer that will be. We know he'd like $9 billion of spending cuts. The Liberal Democrats are working in the... Right. It ended there. Uh yeah, sorry, because it, it goes on forever. Mm -hmm. But the but the point he ends up making is that the uh, Tories may be forever screwed because of what they have to do. But the, at the beginning of the clip was the interesting part, which is the Queen. You know, Gordon Brown went there begging that he could leave, and she said yep. yes. And then she then she she as we said weeks and weeks and weeks ago on the show that, you know, Cameron was obviously on the fast track to become the next prime minister. Oh, yeah, it's time for him to take the baton and, and, and run with but, it. But the fact that the Queen had to get into the news cycle and tell him, you know, that here's what's, here's what's what, you're going to be the prime minister and then you're going to work with these other guys and you're going to have to fix this problem, uh, really kind of takes away the idea that the Queen's a figurehead. Well, you know what, it's, it's a good backstop. Because in case uh, the elites don't get what they want, then she can always just step in and say, here's how we're going to do it. A couple other interesting things I noticed about this uh, coalition, which is the first one in 30 years. Um, if 55% of the, the coalition um, government does not agree on an issue, then they disband. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and of course, you know, I, I, I love it how I get email from people saying, you don't understand how our government works. Well, maybe it's just interesting to listen to how Amer – that looks great, honey. Maybe it's just interesting to learn how Americans think about it. But I, I did live there, and I do think that I have some knowledge of what's going on. 
Um, so this is how a cabinet falls. So 55% doesn't seem like a, a lot. You know, it's, it seems like, uh, you know, things could be kind of worked out, particularly when you note that in this new cabinet, listen to the bankers who are now uh, members of parliament. Mark Garnier, emerging market specialist. Joe Johnson, brother of London Mayor Boris Johnson, who worked at Deutsche Bank. Jacob Rees-Mogg, formerly of Rothschild and Lord George Management. Investment management expertise boosted by the arrival of Richard Graham, former head of international business of Bearings Asset Management. Also founder of the British Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai. Um, And then we have uh, Matthew Hancock. Um, who was uh, George Osborne's chief of staff and brains behind the conservatory economic policies. He was co-author of the Arculus Report on Red Tape and Regulation commissioned by the Tories. Mark Reckless, economist for Bearings and Warburg Bank. There's a lot of bankers in there. So who it's do you interesting think- how, don't you think it's interesting how the bankers are taking over the world of politics when it used to be the lawyers? Well, it's it's a much easier way to control people through their money. The the law stuff is complicated, takes a lot of time to write. You know, here it's just like, shut up, slave, I'm gonna take your money. <laughs> it's like, okay, what do you want me to do? One other interesting little uh ditty in the coalition document, which I read which, of course, is interesting because they uh, these two parties, the Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives, have very different views on a number of issues. On most things. Yeah. One of the big ones seems to be a change in the way voting will happen, which will include a referendum. That's actually one of the longest uh, pieces of the document. Um, there's some banking reform, immigration, political reform. The funniest one, though, is... Uh, out of nowhere, <laughs> we're going to implement high-speed rail. <laughs> it's right there in the coalition agreement. <laughs> really? Yeah. Absolutely. We got some email. No, no, listen, some- listen, listen to this. Listen to this. I love this. The establishment of a high-speed rail network. So it's not just we're going to talk about it, We're going to do it. The cancellation of the third runway at Heathrow. Planes, good, planes bad, trains good. Wow. The refusal of additional runways at Gatwick and Stansted and the replacement of the air passenger duty with a per flight duty. So, uh. No, wait, good, good, just go over that again. We're grounded. The establishment of a high speed rail network. No, 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 no. The uh, last part about the, the re- duty. Oh, 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 the replacement of the air passenger duty, the tax, with a per flight tax. So now it's like. What does that mean? Oh, that means, uh, it's. It's easier for guys to keep planes on the ground because there's extra taxes if it actually flies, and and I I believe that the uh, the airlines have to charge that if they don't already. It's a tricky one. Well, there's definitely a movement to yeah. I think this is the you, you nice find by the way. Thank you. Uh, well, it's uh, just reading. You know, it's not that hard. The BBC publishes. Well, who's going to read? You know, who by has the way, time? By the way, mandating a national recharging network for electric and plug-in hybrid vehicles. Mandating, mind you. A mandate for power outlets on the highway. You know how long it takes to recharge a battery-operated <laughs> car? What are you going to do? Park it there for 12 hours and take it? I mean, maybe in, a, in a, one of these things where you just sleep all night. 
I still or think a it takes, motel. I still think it takes longer to to prep this show <laughs> than it does to charge a car. Just one funny little bit. Remember that? Uh, that By the cr- way, you know how long it takes to charge an iPad? Um, not that long, actually. Five minutes. Yeah. It, well, it's a little more than five. No, no, five minutes. Because I went to the store the other day and I gave him the American Express card. Took five minutes. <laughs> Bada boom! Wait, I have a. <laughs> it's a tech grouch joke, yeah, by the that, way. I like that. So remember the crazy lady who was yelling Although at the protester? Although you kind of blew the joke. Just mentioning it. You don't I didn't know it was I'm a talking. joke. I'm just saying. I'm a horrible okay, straight man. Kay Burley. Yeah. Kay Burley is that crazy woman who was yelling, the Sky News woman who was yelling at, uh, at the oh, protester. Oh, that horrible, that horrible person. Yeah. So uh, this is really funny. She's going to get sued. Uh, Good. So, so apparently she doesn't do just political stuff, but she also was covering Naomi Campbell. And so there's a whole bunch of photographers and everybody out there trying to get a shot of Naomi Campbell. And some photographer bumps his lens into her cheek. And she, by the way, she's an elitist. You know, she, she's, the, she's at uh, Royal Ascot with her, big, with her big hat on and everything. Oh, lovely. So uh, she gets pissed off. She grabs the photographer by the throat and chokes her. And, uh, and then later she says... Uh, uh, she says, I, I didn't put my hands on anyone. I was provoked. Well, I might have put my hands on. So I put my I put my hands up. You know, I, I, I didn't choke anybody. And then there's great pictures of her literally with with a hand around this poor photographer's throat <laughs> choking her. There's a picture of her neck. It's completely scarred with the with this choke marks. This woman is a horrible, horrible elitist person. She's Joking. terrible, and then she's so naive not to notice that every you're in everyone's a, taking her picture. <laughs> everyone's taking pictures. What it's, an idiot! Yeah, it's funny. It's in the show well, notes. She gets fired. Yeah, it's, it's in not, the show notes at NoAgendaShow.com. No, no sure. she's not going to get fired. She's uh, she's perfect. Oh. She's perfect. So, anyway, let's get back to this other point, which is the I don't see, I haven't heard a more obvious uh, rails good airplanes bad uh, example. One. Yeah. Than that one because they want you to know we're not going to put the extra uh, uh, runways up. No, we're not going to do that. But yes, we're going to do high speed rail. Which and I don't know. I mean, Britain is. I mean, what do they need high speed rail for there? Where you where are you going to go? <laughs> the trains are already such a success, and they're so affordable. I mean, they, they took they the toilets. Along. They took the toilets out to make room. So uh, I say long on adult diapers. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's crazy. So okay, we got an email from somebody in Australia discussing their they got all of, out of the blue. That this guy sent us a note saying that. Well, I thought you guys are full of crap, and I don't know what this high speed rail thing is. And it's, then he says, all of a sudden, apparently passed with no discussion, was like a billion dollars for high speed rail in Australia, which he says <laughs> yeah. is extremely ludicrous because there, there's a huge distance between all the towns. And if you wanted to go to Perth on a high speed rail, no matter how fast it went, it would still take you days. Well, um, I've taken that uh, uh, Trans-Australia line. It's 24 hours from uh, like Melbourne to Perth. Uh, and that doesn't go very fast. So it, it would go faster than that, I think. It t- how far is Melbourne to Perth? It's about 24 hours by train. 
Yeah, but how? <laughs> I don't what's know. The most? Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't know. It's a famous railway. Know, it's the it's the India Pacific. Yeah, line. I know. I've heard of it. It's, a, it's one you want to take. But anyway, it seems to me that I don't know. I, this whole high speed rail thing is getting on my nerves. Well, there's two other things. Actually, three other things. Um, Somebody also did some calculations on whatever the difference is to make the high speed rail line, unless it is a, a, an express line. Uh, is it has to stop all the time, so the momentum, you know, it goes out, you know, to two hundred miles an hour or three hundred, let's hope, and it has to slow to nothing and stop dead. I mean, that you know, so your average speed is going to be next to nothing. Somebody talked to me about there apparently some Japanese technology. No one's implemented this yeah, yet. I have but it this in is, the I have it in the show notes. The uh, the animation of it of the, the the top car being dropped off. Yeah, it's like they just like unhook it, like. Hey, I'm unhooking, get out. And so it does slow down a little bit, but doesn't stop. And then it basically roars past the station. The car, so everyone has to move into the drop-off car. Like sheep. Everybody's like a mailbag. <laughs> With a hook. It's just like, hook, I'm on the hook. And then it'll pick up the people who are waiting in a car that, you know, that uh, that is at that station. And so it never really stops. But, I mean, this is not implemented yet. I mean, this is And it's a, never a going deal. to be, but... Because it's too crazy. But I think it would be funny to have a system like that because you can imagine, you know, like you're on your, a train trip to your marriage and you say, hey, honey, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And you just sneak <laughs> up into that, that top into the, car. Into the drop-off car. And you're, boom, the train is on its way and you're like uh, back behind the, uh, the line. So two things I wanted to mention. Um, there's something we have to be on the lookout for showing up everywhere in, uh, I'll just say, real news sites are anti-plane stories. And I have two of them, one from uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands and one from the National Journal, which is, uh, is that U.S.? I, it's either U- U.S. or yeah, it's Great US. Britain, I think. It's U.S. And I think it's U.S. Okay. Um, and so they'll have a story. No, I'm sorry. This is UK. They'll have a story. Uh, is the three-hour tarmac delay rule good for travelers? And it's uh, Lisa Caruso writes in the National Journal, blah, 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 harsh penalties for U.S. airlines, blah, 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 blah. And then it's the whole page is filled with banners for Northern uh, Norfolk Southern transportation. <laughs> and, yeah, for, for the railway. And then there's... One from the Netherlands on newsout.com. And by the way, these are not rotating banners. These these are set banners that do not rotate. I've been, I captured them first in PDF, then I refreshed, refreshed the next day. So top story, um, the ash cloud, I'm translating on the fly, the ash cloud from the Iceland volcano is uh, still disrupting air traffic in the north north of Europe. Uh, here are here's the latest news and the most recent predictions for closures. And right underneath it, high speed, the fast and always trustworthy alternative travel by train. In the middle of the page, right underneath the story. Why they, well, but why would they be pr- promoting it in the on the uh, continent? Because they've got already have it. No, no, no. The Netherlands, the, oh, the high-speed train story in the Netherlands is a two-decade-old story. They started this, of course, all of this started a long time ago. Uh, they they flattened villages, houses, everything for this this gutter, which is going to have this high-speed train. 
and the gutter's been there for a decade, but the train is still not running. No, this has been a multi-billion dollar fiasco. What difference does it make in Holland that you have high-speed rail or not? Well, I, you get I, on a slow train, you're out of the country in about 14 minutes. Well, I've been thinking about it. And the only thing I could come up with is with air travel, you don't control anything except the takeoff and the landing. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's control over where you fly, etc. But you can't tax someone for going over land. You can't, you know, there's no infrastructure in the sky. It's just a money grab. If we can move the people on the earth, then we can make a lot more money off of them. That's the only thing I can see. I don't know. I still think it's about freight. I mean, Norfolk Southern or whatever you're talking about, that other plant, that other operation, that's not a, a company that's ever going to carry passengers. That's a pure freight company. Is it? Yeah. I'm not familiar with them. It's a freight company. I mean, Burlington Northern's a freight company. The only people doing passenger traffic in the U.S. because everybody else said this is a loser is Amtrak. And they contract with a few of the other with a few of the rails for their for their uh, uh, right of ways, but the, you know what Norfolk Southern is never going to go into the passenger business in a million years. Well, I'm uh, I'm clicking on the banner, and the oh, this is funny. The future needs us. dot com. Oh, that's great. That's great. You see a road with cars. And and it's all smoky, and then it's dusty, and then it goes to the <laughs> smoky old yeah, cars. Go to the the future needs us dot com, and then it goes to a freight train. So first you see cars with two trucks, and then whoop, freight train. Amazing. The future needs us. It needs green jobs, a competitive economy, clear well, roads, tell you, clean air. You know what? I, I I think anyone out there who has friends in the Teamsters Union should. The Teamsters should be on this because this is an, a direct attack on the infrastructure of trucking in this country, which is extreme. Was it not just not, this country? Every country, John. In every country, but we we are very truck oriented. Yeah, more so than Europe. Yes. So, I would say that something something's up. Uh, we know something's up. It's just you know. Well, of course, um, the big news and. As Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste, is uh, John Kerry introduced the new version of the cap-and-trade bill yesterday. Oh, another version of the cap-and-trade scam. Yes. And did you see, the? by the way, did you see the fact that now Science Magazine finally revealed the fact, it's on the blog, by the way, Dvorak.org slash blog, that that polar bear picture was totally photoshopped, yeah, it was yeah. a complete scam? Yeah, it's in the uh, it's in the show notes. Nobody, of course, will mention this, uh, no. you know, Carrie or anybody else as they try to plow <laughs> this cap and trade scam, out and out scam, you know, and all the pro-global warmists are all going, oh, well, you know, you can't take a chance. You know, we're just trying to, you know, yeah, okay, we used a bad photo, but, you know, uh, it was still was a good the idea is right. And not only that, but uh, they also used another picture of um, a, a house underwater uh, as, as saying this was because of global warming, flooding was happening everywhere, and they got that off of stockphoto.com. Or iStockphoto.com. Yeah. And, it, and, and it says literally right there, it says this is uh, uh, com- com- computer-generated. Yeah. So a um, couple of the things, and then we should get into our thanking some of our uh, our Producers. supporters today. Yeah. 
Um, so first of all, this bill, which I looked, it's 890 pages. I looked through it yesterday, has cap and trade right in there. Uh, of course, it's very complicated language, but wow, what a rollout. We have this thing happening in the Gulf. Every, everyone's going crazy because, you know, we're all going to die. And, uh, and then cap and trade gets rolled out, and it's now called... Uh, hold on a second. It's called they have an, uh, It's called the climate change bill in the uh, public vernacular. Just S one seven three three. It is a bill to create clean energy jobs. Of course, it's all about jobs. Oh yeah, it's always about jobs. Yes, it's always about and the jobs. children. Yes, it's about jobs, 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 jobs. jobs. Uh, Reduce global warming pollution and transition to a clean energy economy. Short title, the Clean Energy Jobs and American Power Act. And he had Dow Corning. He had everybody there. All the guys who are going to get a whole bunch of money. And by the way, it's free. John Kerry said it yesterday. This is free. It's going to cost us nothing. It's all free. (laughs) I need to get that clip. It's free. It's just free. Don't worry about it. It's free. This guy's turned out to be one of the great sleazeballs. Total ass wipe. Ever. So everyone's on board with this program, and I want to play a clip from Geraldo. Uh, And so, of course, this is all on the heels of of the, uh, the disaster, the monumental, massive disaster. We've never seen anything like it in the history of all mankind in the Gulf. Uh, Interesting to note that you don't see any aerial photographs. No one's got uh, helicopters showing this huge oil spill because uh, I guess the oil uh, is under the water. Well, there's some pictures on the National Geographic. Yeah, but why is it, if it was really that horrible, why don't I see, you know, I hear about the turtles, but I don't see birds with oil. Well, I had the one clip, we didn't play it, was last week or the week before, I didn't move it forward, where this woman says, oh, and they found a dead bird. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, and I don't want to downplay it. And of course, you know, this is not fun, but it's just like uh, health care. You know, it's like we're all the people who are jumping up and down on the news saying, yay, I've got health care. You know, you don't see him because it's not happening because it's not true. Because if it was, I'm sure they would want to report on it. So Geraldo has a guy go out and uh, talk to a fisherman. And by the way, the water's blue. It's beautiful. You know, the guy's a salty guy. He's got wind in his hair, and he's being interviewed uh, by one of Geraldo's dudes. That we all love. Even Greenpeace recognizes America's need to be energy independent, and Steiner scoffs at conspiracy theories that the Obama administration was slow to respond because it secretly wanted to undermine offshore oil industry. By the way, that's a little message to us to play the clip. <laughs> hey, you guys, hey, no agenda, guys. That, we're talking about you. I think that's kind of ludicrous. Noah has placed a ban on fishing in most of the Gulf, costing billions. Was the ban an overreaction? Isn't it possible that this water, this big body of water, will just churn and wash this stuff out? Let's hope so. I mean, this is an open ocean environment. There's going to be some wave wave activity and such. It's a very different ecosystem than Alaska and elsewhere. But- that, that I find very interesting. Because, of course, I'm not a biologist uh, or a waterologist. 
But it is a different ecosystem, he says, and the waves can make a difference. And uh, I mean, do you hear that, John? You agree that there's something that it is different from Alaska. That's what he just said. This guy's an expert. Yeah. Okay, good. But while it's doing that, it's exposing all the water column organisms to toxicity that otherwise weren't. So, I mean, there's no, there's no win out of this. It's a lose-lose situation. Do you see what's happening in the oil industry and offshore drilling comparable or some kind of parallel to, like, the movie Avatar? Oh, oh wait, it gets better, John. You thought it stopped there. You know, these environments, we're terrestrial primates, and so we get what goes on on land. But humans haven't spent a lot of time on the ocean. Most people haven't. So it's a little bit of foreign environment for people. But these are precious, productive environments. The oceans sustain much of the life on Earth. So, yeah, this is, this is a, a treasure, a treasure, a national treasure that we shouldn't put <laughs> I love the national treasure, but wait, Another there's national more. Treasure. There's more. There's more. At risk. This this is fantastic. This this is now your brain is about to fart. This is our avatar. That could certainly could be. Although the fight Sigourney and director James Cameron are waging to protect the rights of the indigenous people of the Amazon from a huge hydroelectric plant is a world away from the situation in the Gulf oil spill, the principle is the same. Protecting the planet from those interested in only quick profits. Tell me... Uh, since when do people... The oil companies don't make quick profits. It takes billions... And I'm, I don't want to sound like an oil company shill, but that's just bullshit. That's total bullshit. And to build one of these hydroelectric plants, it takes decades to, to plan it and all the rest. It's, not, it's anything but a quick profit. It's a profit, but it's not quick and it's not easy. It gets better. How is your life affected knowing the change that Avatar has had? On I mean, so now we're on the Avatar tip. In the world, making people more environmental. But who is he talking to? Conscious when you went to visit these people in their natural environment. You know, what I feel that Avatar did was, was show the world how concerned people are about our planet. That we are aware of the damage we're doing to our planet. That it- <gasps> Sigourney Weaver. Unbelievable. Yeah, it showed people the damage we're doing to our planet. No, it showed blue people in 3D. It is time, more than time for us to stop now and all help each other find energy efficient ways of producing shameless. energy. You know what what kills me? Shameless, though, yes. shameless, <laughs> shameless. <laughs> oh wait, I can roll it out. Hold on, John, here it comes. I can finally do it. I've been waiting all day. Big, 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 big. First and last playing of that not short ditty. <laughs> oh my god! It's so big. It's your big beef. Yeah. All right. But yeah, it's com- it's completely outrageous. 
That, that, it's, it's ridiculous. And then what, what is Geraldo? And this is on Fox. Oh yeah, but listen to what Geraldo says. His comeback after this uh, this bit with uh, right, Weaver. This is the clip of the day, by the way. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver, Craig. It just seems to me that this may be a pivotal moment to re-energize a real environmental movement, not the uh, you know uh, uh, politicians and uh, others who are claiming making preposterous claims not backed by science, but having kids and people uh, get involved the way they did in previous disasters. Three Mile Island, for instance, or Chernobyl. (laughs) What? I knew you'd love it. Kids are getting involved in Chernobyl. (laughs) They don't have any hair. Let me tell you, that's one aspect of it. Three Mile Island. Kids need to get involved. The politicians can't change anything. Kids from who are involved in Chernobyl. Those bald kids from Chernobyl. (laughs) Listen, it gets better. See the Deepwater Horizon disaster as the Three Mile Island, even the Exxon Valdez, a way to change the industry. You know, the tanker industry was changed. The uh, nuclear industry was changed. So this is going to be a catalyst, and environmentalists want to see more of a move to cleaner energy as a result. Let me go back. So it just goes on and on and on. This is unbelievable. And it's because the, the Democrats run Geraldo, Fox. I mean, I thought Fox was at least had some, you know, semblance of like middle of the road to, to right wing uh, attitude about things. This is just out and out crap. What's Geraldo doing there? I mean, why doesn't he just go to CNBC? Well, because Fox is run by the Democrats. Or MSNBC, I'm sorry, yeah, CNBC. It's run by the Democrats. We are, we, it is run we, by, obviously it's run by the Democrats. They have this report, which was nothing less than pathetic. And I'm glad I didn't see it because my blood would have been boiling by the time I had uh, dubbed it. So the thing, the, that, the thing that gets me, and, and of course I watch yeah, a, lot, a lot of C-SPAN, is that you know all the politicians are doing the same thing? We need clean energy. Hey, I don't think anyone is against windmills. I don't think anyone you know. I don't think anyone is against solar, but it doesn't work well enough. We you know you can't just like everyone, solar's still a money loser. Yeah, it's like it, it doesn't work. Nuclear, all right, I'm all for that. What what does the administration give us? A couple of bullshit promises for maybe eight nuclear plants, maybe. And the whatever. problem that we have with nu- nukes in this country, PR, in particular, bad PR. Well, no, there's also the fact that you know people. Well, France, 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 France has a standardized power plant. Everyone is the same. If you hire somebody that runs the power plant, and you know, outside of Chinon, at some other place in France, they, they, they the controls are the same. They're, in the in the United States of America, all the nuke power plants that we've done are all custom made. They're all different. They're extremely expensive. They're they're crap by comparison because oh we got to use the latest technology so they keep changing things and General Electric of course is the big big winner in that regard they're one of the many companies but GE that's why you, you always you never hear anything really negative about these things in the, on the MSNBC uh, it's just a, it's a corrupt horrible situation you know the I don't know I just find this dis- distressing that they keep propagandizing people at the at the level of a movie called Avatar. Yeah. I mean is they do they really think the public is that stupid? Yes. I'm sure it's- Yes. Yes. Yes, John. Yes. Yes. It's so obvious. Well, that's that's solar wind. 
Let's hour. credit some of our uh, non-slave listeners. Yes, it's about obviously time. Obviously, think for themselves uh, for helping us out on this last show. And by the way, we do have show number 200 coming up on Sunday. And now is the time. I don't want to pre promote it, but now's the time if you want to be one of the executive or associate executive producers for show number 200. And God knows if we'll get to 500, which would be the next big breakthrough. We're, we're not uh, going to do 250 or 333 or something like that? Oh, we definitely would do 333 okay. now that you mention it. Yeah, thank you. I thought so. Oh, yeah, 333. Absolutely. That's the, that's the next uh, milestone in our career. 250 might happen, too. That would be nice. <laughs> if we get hungry, we'll do 250. <laughs> we get, we're running out of money. If I get a huge uh, like tax bill or some shit like that. <laughs> Which to- can happen any minute after you're brought in the Japanese machine gun. <laughs> That's how they do it. Be like, hey, 2007, you still owe us money from when you were rich, you bastard. Come here. I'm just waiting uh, for We it. have a, a report of a Japanese machine gun. Be, uh, the, yeah, well, where'd you get the report? Oh, these guys are bragging about it on the on the uh, some podcast. So Adam, uh, can- Adam Burkpile, who I believe is the creator of the Pocket No Agenda app, uh, donated $150, so I'm going to presume that's from sales of the Pocket No Agenda app, which I have to say is one of my favorites. I really do like it. It's a winner. Yeah. Uh, John Snyder from uh, Chicago, uh, the uh, the run of numbers, the the straight, one, two, three, four, five, $123.45. Then we have uh, Daniel Terastenyi, from uh, Woodbury, Connecticut. Adam, please dedicate a song to my wife on uh, this Friday's DSC. Oh, okay, I'll do that on Friday. Sorry about that. Uh, but he's uh, clearly a big fan, by the way. Well, he's clearly supporting uh, the whole concept of uh, of the show um, with his hundred and ten dollars and twenty cents. Then we have uh, Anonymous from uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Adam, stop promoting Doctors Without Borders. Look into one of their founders, Dr. Bernard Kushner, French Foreign Secretary. Great show. Hmm. Well, I don't think I've been mm. overly promoting them, have I? No, we only we actually only mentioned them a couple of times during the early days of Haiti. Yes. But we will look into this. We will find the perfect the perfect charity for the Haitian relief, and I'm getting the opinion or the coming to the conclusion. We got a good note from uh, some one of our uh, yeah, producers. I, I actually did some research on that, and I wouldn't mind talking about it on the International Red Cross. Yeah, uh, no, no, on Haiti and the internet. The International Red Cross, I'm not there yet, but Haiti. Okay, well, the International Red Cross is a, is just an out and out. Uh, it's they got nothing to do with anything. They're a profit profitable organization. Uh, I calculated. Yeah, and they're, 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 a, they're a human rights operation. It's got nothing to do with medicine. And they and I they're looked, setting up shop in, in Haiti. I looked at their balance sheet. They have six hundred million dollars in the bank. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, some of it's in derivatives, by the way. About ten percent. Uh, well, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Good. Christopher Descato, double nickels on the dime from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, got a better job two weeks ago. I told myself I was able to find a better job this year. I would start a plan to become a knight. Four days later, I got a call from an old boss basically offering me my dream job and a change to move back to where my family lives. I'm driving across the country from Las Vegas to PA. My friend Steve from Detroit is a douchebag. He's been listening from day one, but not contributing. And Harry Meyer... From Stevenson Ranch, California, uh, also fifty-one fifty-one, and then we have uh, the Click Lab Limited 
from Auckland, New Zealand. Um, so John, that's uh, that's wrong. That's for Dvorak Uncensored. Oh, that shouldn't be on that list. Okay, take that off. And uh, Lisa Lang has started on her uh, layaway program. She's Good from for her. Uh, Fitzroy, North Victoria in Australia. We got to go to and Australia. And we, we also have three more that came in on our uh, Deuce Club uh, listings, which we'll be discussing on this uh, special show, yes. uh, which I should mention. They, 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 like Laggers and the Double Nickel and the Dime program, Matthew McDonald, uh, Peter uh, Beva, or Beva, and uh, Jeff Rokum. Or I'm sorry, Rochlin or Rocklin, Rocklin probably, R-O-C-H-L-I-N. Okay. That is the sound, John, of me unsheathing, if you wouldn't mind uh, grabbing yours. Yes, very Whoa. good. Whoa. Uh, we want to uh, ask Adam Miller to come over here. He's actually, if he was listening to the stream live, it's been an extra long wait for him to be just a regular dude named Adam Miller because we had that uh, kernel panic and everything crashed. Adam Miller, kneel before us, please. Very good. As we now dub thee and name thee, Sir Adam Miller, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Uh, John, we need the extra long ones for this uh, for this bit. Here it comes. Yeah, okay. Uh, we are going to do a slew of night noirs. These are the black knights who have uh, contributed over time. And uh, somehow we just didn't get to them because we couldn't count. Uh, you know the rules. If you uh, support the show with up to $1,000 over time, all donations count, then uh, you can become a knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. John, why don't you just give us all the names in, uh, in one go, and then I'll give them one big clunk with a sword and do them all at once. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for, for doing that since I just had my screen. I got the wrong Aaron screen up. Aaron Jones, Philip Evans... Roland Ruth, Kelly Spongberg. I got the last two. Margaret George and Todd Simmons. Kneel before the round table. You have the honor bestowed upon thee of Night Noirs. Please enjoy your future ring and join the Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Like the Sir Roland of Wooddale. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you, uh, knights can create their own uniform. They can put as many crazy things on their uh, uniform as they want. They're like generals. Yep, they're like U.S. generals. Um, they can, uh, well, of course, uh, we all communicate with each other. They get special benefits. We do stuff for our knights. All, whenever you, you know, winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you got to do is call. And we'll come running for our nights and of course uh, as always I want to thank everyone who is on the uh, monthly programs $5 a month the lucky $30 uh, people who are saving up to become knights it's highly appreciated and uh, all we want is value for value if you think we're putting some into this and you see some value then you give us whatever value you think it is yeah and if you think about what your time is worth the fact that we don't have commercials uh to the tune of probably saving you four hours. If you listen to the show all the time, and a lot of people do, uh, saving you probably four, five, maybe six hours a month of your personal time. Uh, what is your time worth? We would appreciate it on a monthly basis. You know, it's a cheap, uh, it's a cheap investment, to be honest about it, to uh, help us out. It's cheaper than uh, one of Elliot Spitzer's hookers. 
<laughs> yeah, well, he was going for. He had the big money hookers. I think he, he was with the two, three thousand dollar girls. And I don't think they were even worth it, really. When I looked at him. Hey, the uh, Voyager Two, John, which uh, I recall. Uh, this I was probably crap. I don't know, ten? No, not even ten years old. When did this thing launch? Uh, Voyager, Voyager Two launched in here. It is nineteen seventy-seven. Voyager. Sorry. Voyager. That's Viger? the one that become becomes a Borg uh, robot and comes back and tries to kill us all. <laughs> well, it's starting. Uh, as Voyager 2 uh, all of a sudden started to transmit data that NASA could not decode. <laughs> so, uh, now, of course, you know, the Voyager, this is the one that we put a whole bunch, we put like Chuck Berry, Johnny B. Good, you know, we put music in there, we put like symbols and, you know, some poppy seeds and some other stuff. And, you know, hey, if you guys discover us out there and this is what we're all about, here's who we are. And this thing sends back signals. Uh, it takes about 13 hours for the signals uh, to reach uh, either way. And, of course, it, um, NASA has been in contact with it uh, continuously. It's now at the very edge of our solar system. And uh, on April 22nd, the data packets returning from Voyager 2 cannot be decoded. They've changed. So I'm thinking... Mm-hmm. Someone's on board. Send the messages back. We just, we just, we just, <laughs> some, some kid, <laughs> some space, some space kid is on there. Like, hey, let me send some stuff back. He's probably sending his version of Johnny B. Good back. <laughs> uh, so uh, they've the NASA is somewhat puzzled uh, over this. Um, so uh, I, I, I think it's kind of interesting. That, uh, that that the data packets change. I mean, that doesn't just happen. You know, why would the computer think, no. all of a sudden just like start changing the packets and what it? You know, so I, I wish it was like open source and we, you know we could get these packets and they should do like a SETI at home type thing. And uh, you know, they should let everyone work on it and try and decode what what messages are coming back. I mean, isn't don't we own this data as citizens of the United States of Gitmo? I would think. Yeah, it would be nice. I want to give some props to um, one of our producers. As you know, our listeners are our producers. I'm seeing more and more of this, of people doing the research for us. So, it's By, by all- the way, I, I think we forgot to mention that people, if they want to donate, where, the, where they can go. I don't yeah, think we that, would, that, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? It would be helpful. Noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org, slash N-A. And uh, channeldvorak.com slash NA, that might be useful. And especially if you want to be one of the producers of the 200th show, I think I would encourage participation. And by the way, we still have the, the Deuce Club. It finishes off at show 200. We're still collecting $200 for the 200th show as a, as a tribute. Uh, and we're going to have a celebration episode, which is going to deconstruct our own show. And that's still, that's still going on, Dvorak.org slash Deuce. And every, I send a mailing out, you know, and people, oh, you know, you're sending these too many mailings. Uh, I send like two a month. And, um, oh, too many mailings, right. How many shows yeah. do you get a month? We do too many shows, John. Let's cut back. Just cut so back. anyway, we're well, just uh. com- normal complainers. But anyway, the uh, point is, is that the, this is a good, uh, a good moment to join the Deuce Club. And of course, some people have pointed out that our logo for the Deuce Club looks like two enormous breasts. <laughs> and you think that's a mistake? <laughs> of course, it's not a mistake. 
<laughs> exactly. I'm just amazed that people think it's a mistake. By the way, the uh, chat room has already solved the Voyager 2 issue. They say yeah. that uh, the Voyager's SSL cert- certificate from Network Solutions expired. <laughs> so that's clearly what's going on there. So uh, our producer, Kevin Flick, um, did some work on Haiti. Uh, of course, uh, you know the drill by now. This is a total takeover of the country. It's going to be a great tourist destination. Bill Clinton, who uh, economically screwed the country throughout his entire uh, uh, visit in the White House, uh, is now uh, the UN, UN Special Envoy, and he's in charge of the billions of dollars. But interestingly enough, the people of Haiti are drowning and are dying but, of course, we only need about 30,000 of them to man the hotels. That's uh, probably what they're thinking. So um, all these links are in the show notes. I'm not going to belabor it. But uh, he found an interesting path of articles. The oil developers are about to buy the island of La... I guess it's Jonave. And this is about two miles from the epicenter of the earthquake. And these guys have been trying to buy this for years. And now all of a sudden it looks like they're going to buy it. They're actually buying the island. And uh, hmm. it's so funny when you see some of the paperwork from uh, uh, Global Renewable Energy. That, you know, there's Q&A, like FAQs, saying, so what will happen to the inhabitants? Will they no longer be citizens of Haiti? No, they'll be citizens. Well, what will life be like? It'll be like, life will be the same, only better. That's literally their answer. And you get like this huge, huge, uh, uh, basically, well, they, they call themselves global renewable energy, but they're an oil outfit. And uh, so uh, in September of 2009, this is just three months before the earthquake, Bill Clinton spoke at the, uh, at the annual Haitian Unity Congress and, uh, of course, uh, the uh, global renewal energy guys were there. We've got all kinds of pictures with them. And uh, it, it's so obvious that, that what's going on there. And it turns out, according to Global Renewable Energies here, let me just get the FAQs for you because it's really funny. Um, so how many people live on La Genave? About 90,000. Why develop? Well, it is situated on the Windward Passage, which is one of the world's most highly trafficked energy sea lanes. This I did not know. So it's a strategic, this is why it's strategically so important, because it's, it'll be great to have a huge port there. It's sheltered in the Gulf of La Genave, protected by the high mountain ranges. I mean, it doesn't get much better. This is the perfect place, the perfect place. What do you think? What do you mean, what do I think? I mean, what's it perfect about? I mean, you think that they would put in, for example, it sounds to me that if there's a bunch of it, you saying tankers go by there? Yeah, it's the most So, traffic. So what you'd want to do, because, you know, we're talk, we talked about this manipulation of the oil and gas prices. So what you'd want to do, and this is what I would look out for in the future. This would be my prediction, okay. as opposed to your zombie prediction. <laughs> you know what? I'm the one with the machine gun. When You you just come over here when you need protection. Yeah, okay? yeah. when's the last time you cleaned that thing? So anyway... Uh, I'm thinking if you have the, the protected port and everything, that's it sounds to me like a place you'd put a tank farm up. And uh, these big tankers are coming yes, in no, offload. It, I'm sorry, it's in the FAQs. Three mammoth tanks. You're right. Oh. Well, I'm already ahead of myself. Yep. I'm looking well, at the three FAQs. is only the beginning. 
I'm looking at the FAQs right now. Oh, and it's going to be an oil refinery. Ah! <laughs> the, I, I didn't even need to read the FAQs. Why, I can see this coming. Why locate an oil refinery on La Genave? Well, the island needs to have a balance of trade and be self-sufficient. Yeah, for the 90,000 <laughs> people who are there, they need an oil refinery. The oil refinery will produce the diesel fuel for machinery and generators, jet fuel for the airports, bunker sea fuel for cruise ships, Petroleum coke for power plants, asphalt for required paved area, steam industrial city, and water for the industrial city. If it were necessary to import the aforementioned supplies, the island of La Genave will be less attractive to developers. Oh, please, give me a break. So, who the hell needs a stinky refinery? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, if it was a, if it was a, you know, American, you know, um, in the United States, we've done a pretty good job of keeping the the oil refiners from just basically stinking up the place because if they're not if you don't have a lot of air pollution control devices on these refineries because of the nature of depending on the kind of crude oil you have but if you generally speaking there we don't really do a lot of they talk about sweet and sour that's the, the typical two types of crude oil that are available and then there's kind of hybrids that are pretty amazing bolivian oil for example is notorious for almost being able to pump it out of the ground and put it right into a diesel engine without refining at all yeah. but anyway generally speaking you have two kinds of sweet and sour and the sweet oil is what we usually have here sweet crude you see it traded as a commodity and sweet crude goes in it doesn't have a lot of sulfur it doesn't stink up the place sour crude which is plenty of it around you got to take it to some place like haiti where you can refine it and just stink the place up without anybody worrying about it or complaining because who's going to complain ah nobody Uh, a bunch of haitians they're all drowning anyway so anyway the kicker the very last question on the FAQ, and this, this goes completely to my theory of earthquake machines. Ready? What happens if the government of Haiti does not approve the project soon? So this was written a couple of years ago, this FAQ. <laughs> the project has been delayed for nearly three years. The developers are becoming impatient. If the project is not <laughs> approved soon, then it will be moved to the Dominican Republic. So there you go. Oh, interesting. The developers That's a are becoming impatient. Of course it's a threat. Yeah, it's an idle threat, though, because the Dominican Republic, which is is not going to put, I'm assuming they're going to be doing a cru, a sour crude uh, refining because that's what you would do. Uh, the Dominican Republic wouldn't put up with it, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't allow a, a, a refinery like that in their area. So uh, anyway, from this site, now I started to do some research. I bump across two, oh, by the way, one other thing, uh, Monsanto, those nice folks. Uh, where's my jingle for them? I haven't used that in such a long time. Here it is. Monsanto. Yeah, you lost it. They're so yes, nice. They're helping out the Haitians. They, uh, they sent them 475 tons of genetically modified seeds. Thank you, Monsanto. That's so sweet of you. That's so nice. Uh, so from this site, I, I bump around and I'm on some Haitian, pro-Haitian sites. And I come across something called the United States Institute of Peace. Have you ever heard of this? I did. I not only heard of it, but they had him on C-SPAN once. And I re- tried to get some clips from a speech the guy was giving, but it was so dull. I, I didn't get anything. Well, these guys, uh, and they have a beautiful building, by the way. Oh, they're loaded with money. Oh, and and, and by the way, there's they're pay, the Congress pays for them. 
So it's us. We're basically paying for it. Uh, it's just, it's amazing what they, they are the one, uh, no, we have to be everywhere and help people to propagate peace. We are, we propagate peace. Uh, uh, we provide an, uh, hold on. Uh, the United States of Peace is an independent, nonpartisan institution established and funded by Congress to increase the nation's capacity to manage international conflict without violence. So they're all over Haiti. And then from that, I jumped to the International Crisis Group. Oh, my God. This is an amazing thing. Working to prevent conflict worldwide, because they're aligned with the United States Institute of Peace. Uh, and then you look at the Crisis Group, and their board of trustees... Well, I should just mention a couple of them, perhaps. Let me guess, they're all one-world government guys. Oh, yeah. George Soros... Ah. Uh, Kofi Annan, Zbigniew Brzezinski, <laughs> your buddy. All the dudes are in here. It's like it's just it's an amazing. You must have a list. great. It's a great drinking club. It is a great drinking club. It's just amazing. And so they're they're all involved with helping Haiti and keeping the peace. And uh, let's uh, hey let's hey we're you know, the developers are becoming impatient. Unbelievable. So anyway, I want to thank uh, Kevin Flick for doing that research and uh, that all of the all those links are all in the show notes. Pretty uh, pretty amazing. And we had a uh, uh, we had a two to the head as well, which was kind of interesting. Uh, Russian uh, scientist who was at Fermilab. Do you know what Fermilab is? Uh, I, Fermilab. Yeah, Fermilab is, uh, I think it's the, it's a, it's a collider. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think it's maybe the second largest. Uh, police, so what happened is... He may uh, have been shot by someone from the future. (laughs) Well, no, actually, it's a she... And uh, 24-year-old visiting Russian scientist Maria Beloivan... And uh, she fell to her death in the atrium. <laughs> it's their favorite way of doing it. They're not quite sure how it happened, but yeah, she fell uh, off the stairs into the atrium of the Fermilab. And uh, of course, she uh, died. 16-story building, several bridges, you know, one of these beautiful, uh, beautiful Hadron Collider type things. And uh, so, of course, the uh, all of the conspiracy nuts who are crazier than I am are out there saying, "Oh, she had information about uh, the, the the weaponization of these uh, colliders." I put a link uh, in the show notes about that. Huh. But it's uh, it's interesting that uh, a 24 year old Russian scientist stumbles and falls to her untimely death in the atrium. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah, it does. They should. Uh, they need more safety features on these things. <laughs> it's really and uh, big props to a guy I have met once. I spoke with him for a couple of hours. His name is Jan Pote, and uh, he is a real estate developer from the Netherlands. And he got into a huge public fight a number of years ago because his idea. He's a very rich guy. His idea was to create something called Chips Hole. 
So you have Schiphol, which is the airport, and they have all this real estate. I mean, that airport is really a real estate project. And he wanted to, to put in uh, office buildings. He wanted Cisco to be there. He had all the contracts. He had everything was all set. He was good to go. And then the government just pushed him out. It's well documented. You know, that he, he sued them. Uh, the judges uh, were kind of losing ground. Uh, the Ministry of Justice uh, switched the judges on him. There was all kinds of crazy shit going on. So this guy is uh, definitely a radical. He's very, very smart. Uh, he's uh, he's probably about 60 or 70 years old now, so he doesn't give a, a, a rat's ass. He took out a full-page ad in, uh, in one of the uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands newspapers and basically said... The Ministry of Justice is crap, and why are you protecting the pedophile? Yeah. Yep. This is the uh, the the Director General of uh, Justice, who has admitted that he's a pedophile, but he's still in uh, in his um, in his position, hmm. so to speak. And uh, and he basically is saying, you know what? I have a whole dossier here. If you guys don't play by the rules, neither will I. I'm going to release all the information. Oh, well, yeah. he's going to be dead shortly. Yeah, well, we'll see. I do. Fear, I hope he has I'm, backups all over the place ready to go be dropped into the public domain. That's what you got to do. Well, the thing is, is all this information is in the public domain. Everybody knows it, except well, he the, might have some new stuff. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the media won't report yeah, I know. on it. And by the way, what good has it done? Yeah, the media doesn't report on it. They don't care. They really don't. So I got a couple more things here before we finish. Yes. Oh, one, 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 one moment. Just uh, whistle for a second, John. Why am I breaking up? Uh, Mickey has a very important meeting, so I wanted to uh, give her some extra love. <laughs> Call me. Okay. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. I'm like a, a, a human theremin. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, you should look it up. Yeah, uh, here's something that bothers me. Uh, if you notice that the way the media has switched around uh, the. Uh, I want you to play. Uh, I've got a clip here from uh, Keith Olderman. <gasps> uh who uh, was talking with, has John Dean on, and he ma- mentioned something interesting. I, I, we can play the whole clip or part of the clip, but you probably should play the whole thing. Sure. But it's about this Miranda rights thing, which people keep talking about, and holders come out and said, well, you know, we, you know, got, whether we should deal with, you know, some criminal as a terrorist or not. Well, so this, this, let me help you set this up. Um, there is now the, uh, what are they, belligerent combatant, terrorist homegrown act or something that's been proposed so basically if you talk crap about the government you're belligerent not only uh uh will you uh will your miranda rights but but they're actually talking now about the secretary secretary of state being able to take away your citizenship which of yeah, course is the end, the end around the Miranda rights because first you take away your citizenship. Oh, now you don't. Now you don't have the Miranda rights. Well, the the thing that's really going on, it seems to me, is they're actually and it, 
if you just listen to the news and they, you hear the complaining about, oh, you know, John uh, McCain, part of this whole ridiculous situation. Oh, they read him his Miranda rights. They shouldn't have done that. It would have been better. Why are they reading him his Miranda rights? And so we think that the debate is about whether you should read somebody their Miranda rights. But when you start looking into it, and John Dean, I think, points this out on this uh, little clip I've got here from on the Keith Older Man show. And who is uh, John uh, Dean? John Dean's a former White House counsel under Nixon. Okay. And he's, a, he's basically a writer, and I think he's connected somehow. By the way, are you the, being ageist? What, Keith Older Man? Yeah. It's Old so, uh, No, I just think it's a funny pun. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I mean, I'm John Older Man. Yeah, okay. So anyway, they... they but the, here's what I'm trying to get at, which is they keep talking about reading the reading the rights, reading the rights. No, they're talking about eliminating these rights. In other words, even if you read them or not, you say, I want a lawyer. They say, screw you. You got no right to a lawyer. That's what's going on. They're trying to pull and holders part of this, pull the entire Miranda rights thing. Now, it's not about reading the rights. It's about having the rights. And nobody's talking about it. Public safety context with this new threat, I think we have to give serious consideration to at least modifying that public safety exception. And that's one of the things that I think we're going to be reaching out to Congress to do, to come up with a proposal that is both constitutional, but that is also relevant to our time and the threat that we now face. No indication that a broader exception to Miranda based on international terrorism would even satisfy those bending the issue for political purposes who do not want terror suspects at all put through our nation's criminal justice system. Rudy Giuliani, for instance, supported Holder's proposal. He said it would would still be better to hold suspects like Shahzad as military detainees. Giuliani joins the likes of Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Joe Lieberman, who have offered various ideas about how to discard Miranda rights in the case of a terror suspect. Let's bring in his promise, former White House counsel, now columnist for FindLaw.com, John Dean, also the author of Blind Ambition. John, good evening. Good evening, Keith. Are we clear yet to any degree what Holder is proposing here? Do you have any idea? Well, I actually caught the clips and then thought that isn't very clear. So I went back and looked at the entire transcript. And uh, I wasn't clear at first if he was really responding just to leading questions and uh, or if he'd actually had some proposal uh, that he had in mind at the Justice Department. It appears the latter, although I don't think he was ready to announce it uh, on Sunday, uh, but rather it was forced out because of the questioning. It would seem as if a public safety exception to Miranda would be enough of a dilution, and we just saw its effectiveness in in practical, real-time circumstances in in New York, in the uh, capture and arrest and interrogation of Shahzad. Why would anybody think that's not sufficient? Well, it's certainly good political grandstanding. The right has been hammering on this, on how tough they are on terrorism, how weak uh, the uh, the Democrats are, so they keep pounding that drum. It looks like Mr. Holder and the administration is trying to respond to that. They're never going to satisfy it. In fact, we don't need legislation. There's no evidence that Miranda has ever been a problem for law enforcement. There's no evidence that it's a problem now with terrorism. Uh, there's no evidence they need anything more in the exception than they already have. In 2000, the Supreme Court addressed a Miranda case or a case that was supposed to... Yeah, that's pretty outrageous. Yeah, they basically, you know, want to be able to arrest you, uh, give you no... You have no rights to an attorney, probably try to, you know, just throw you in a slam or beat the crap out of you or whatever. No, but what happens is uh, a van pulls up, they throw a, a hood over your head and you're gone, never heard from again. Yeah, perfectly legal. 
And I'm telling you that Hillary Clinton, she's doing something with this take away your citizenship. That's it. That's a part of it, John. Yeah. Just take away your take away yeah. your suit. Yeah, that's that's the easy way around. Who needs legislation so, if if Hillary Clinton can say, "Ah, oh, you're no longer a citizen." Yeah, what a crazy world we live in. It turns out President Obama yeah. has a social security number from Connecticut where he's never worked. So, we're still in dispute whether he's uh, uh, an actual natural born citizen and, and someone like me and you who were born here and we just go, "Oh, you're not a citizen anymore." In the slammer you go. Rendition flight. Goodbye. That's where it's leading. So now I have one last clip. I have a bunch, but I think there's one that's kind of interesting. Talking about weird laws. Uh, this is a news story that took place in the Bay Area. Called, the clip is secretly videotaping. And, and tell me if you don't find this kind of weird. All right, time now for a look at stories making headlines around the Bay Area tonight. A San Jose man is accused of secretly videotaping women's body parts while they were grocery shopping. An off-duty sheriff's deputy noticed it happening at the Dunn Avenue Safeway in Morgan Hill. The deputy ended up in a struggle on the ground with the suspect, Juan Rodriguez. A Safeway customer helped the deputy make the arrest. Rodriguez is accused of using a concealed camera for sexual gratification and battery of a law enforcement officer. <laughs> Lottery investigators are cracking down. Wait a minute. Is that's more? good. Hey, is that is that a no, new crime? Is that a new crime? I, I, apparently it is. I've never heard of a, a videotaping for the purpose of let sexual hear, gratification. Let me, it, let me hear it again. Rodriguez, a Safeway customer, helped the deputy make the arrest. Rodriguez is accused of using a concealed camera for sexual gratification. Using a concealed camera for sexual gratification. I love it. That's yeah, a- how is this? A, I mean, this is you can't do anything. What about just looking at somebody for sexual gratification? No, that'll be illegal next. In fact, I have an end clip for the show, which I want to play as we're uh, winding it down. And uh, this is, of course, we've talked a lot about how you can't show. You know, big-breasted women in Australia. There's um, no small-breasted. It's a pet of. I'm sorry, small-breasted. Exactly. There's all kinds of you know weird stuff, and this clip is about how women, young women, are essentially manipulating themselves. Not manipulating, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. They're getting. Uh, Labiectomies, labiectomies. Hmm. They are why they're mutilating themselves. Mutilating, that's the word. The word. Thank you, it. mutilating. Um, well, because they they think that that's what a beautiful vagina is supposed to look like, because they're because they're shown all these fake vaginas that have been uh, photoshopped, and uh, you know, there's different ways of shooting this. So it was like, oh, my vagina's ugly. I have to get stuff chopped off. It, <laughs> It, oh, it's crazy. And it's a video. Of course, you'll be able to see that on noagendatv.com. Um, caution, not safe for work at all. You actually see one of these operations uh, taking uh, place. I'm not going to look at it. But when you hear the audio, it's it's interesting enough. So you don't have to actually to actually look at it. But uh, uh, so we, you know, we get all the, this goes back to your uh, nudity is porn. It's all of yeah, this nut. It's this nut so stuff. It's not getting any better. All right. Then uh producer Zach uh responded to the 
Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania tax amnesty ad. So we just play that again real quick because it's so outrageous. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, we have it. It's now posted on the uh, Dvorak.org site and every place else. It's, it's disgusting. Your name is Tom. You live just off of 5th Street. Nice car, Tom. Nice house. What's not so nice is you owe Pennsylvania $4,212 in back taxes. Listen, Tom, we can make this easy. Pay online by June 18th and we'll skip your penalty and take half off your interest. Because, Tom, we do know who you are. Find us before we find you. So Zach made a call to the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue and got switched to their public relations office. The woman there said it was the Neiman Group that devised the intimidating ad campaign. Uh, The woman, unnamed, claimed that focus groups were done. And these focus groups approved of the plan. Focus groups. Yay. Oh, yeah, focus groups. Useless. She, yeah, she wouldn't tell them who were in the groups or where they were held. The ad campaign was part of a budget deal Governor Rendell's. Who, this is the guy you got to kick out of office, Pennsylvania. A part of a budget deal Governor Rendell signed off in October 2009. The entire campaign, including website and TV ads, cost $3 million. But she said... They were hoping to recoup $190 million from the 3% of taxpayers who don't pay their state taxes. Uh, Neiman Group, located in Harrisburg and Philly, uh, I, I called them, says Zach, was told to speak with Monica Witter. She wasn't in, so I email, emailed her a list of questions. Her email is in the show notes. She, has, she hasn't responded yet. The claim in the following story is that the ads are working, and there's a story that uh, they've uh, already... Uh, Collected twelve million dollars, so I guess the shut up slave uh, thing works. Yeah, maybe this group is ahead of the game. <laughs> it's what's coming, ladies and gentlemen. And then a uh, a quick little note from Sean. He heard us uh, on the cheating gene meme, and he said, "Hey, maybe uh, we can put this uh, National Enquirer story that's going around about Barack Obama cheating." Uh, maybe they're preparing to uh, hit us with the news that he has the cheat gene. <laughs> and, the, and of course, vaccine coming soon. Yeah. Stop your man from cheating. Pay your taxes. Make your vagina look pretty. And do the right thing. Yes, that's what you should Get do. Get more money to Haiti. It's <laughs> Shyster show up and take advantage of people's good knowledge. It's called a labiaplasty. Uh, It's very interesting to listen to because they're drawing some of the right conclusions. But doctors who do this are a little frightening. So anyway, some of these doctors are in it for the money. You think? Thanks, everybody, for hanging in there uh, throughout uh, this program. It was difficult if you're on the stream. Uh, we're going to put a little... Uh, yeah, I edited the two pieces together. Of course, thanks to Nerdy Dude for recording the first piece off the stream. So I got some splicing work to do. And I'll be doing that here in the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. Yay. My name's Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the sun is shining, except when it isn't, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday, early morning service for episode 200. Remember, Dvorak.org slash deuce, right here on No Agenda.
This video presentation has been classified by the ABC as M. It contains material that is not recommended for persons under 15 years. I need to warn you that this next story contains footage of genitals and surgical operations that some of you may find confronting. There's one part of the female body that most of us have seen way more often in pictures than we have in real life. But has censorship skewed our idea of what a normal vagina looks like? And could it be contributing to a new trend in cosmetic surgery? I'm just getting rid of these protruding bits here. Labiaplasty is a term given to the surgical improvement of female labia, which are the lips of the female genitalia. This would generally be healed to a single crease, which is the terminology I've heard used before in the industry. It's either done with a scalpel or with scissors. You would take just the pendulous part of the labia so this would be just made up into a single crease where you just can't really see any of the inner labia. Each of these men have jobs which require them to trim the labia minora, that's the inner lips, of vaginas. One of them is a graphic designer at a soft porn mag who has asked that we conceal his identity. We have replaced his voice. The other is a plastic surgeon. What you would see most of the time in the media and in the published literature is something like this closed labia majora. Could there be a connection between the two roles? Labiaplasty is becoming increasingly popular in Australia, growing at a much faster rate than other cosmetic surgeries. Experts say there are a number of reasons for this trend, but we think there's one that's been overlooked, and that's censorship. Australia, unrestricted soft porn mags, that's M15 plus ones such as Penthouse, Picture and People, are allowed to show frontal nudity, but only discrete genital detail. But what if your genitals aren't as discreet as the classification board would like them to be? It's the same as saying what does a normal face look like or what does a normal nose look like. They all look normal, they all look like a vagina. But, you know, you get difference in the, the filling of the labia majora, different pigmentation, different areas of the labia minora, which are a little bit more pendulous. Uh, the clitoral hood might be a little bit more folded on itself. One can't really say that there is a norm. That's right, folks. Not all punanis look like this. So why, then, is this the only kind ever shown in soft porn? So the, uh, the stuff that's the, the outside of the lips of the vagina here, uh, that would be defined as very detailed. And so to avoid getting busted by the censorship board, we just take all this out. We don't instruct clients how to edit their magazines. Um, it's their commercial decision. If they want a particular image in a particular classification, that's their commercial decision. So would the board not allow in an unrestricted publication an image of a woman who had protruding inner labia? Um, not necessarily, but saying that too, maybe um, depending upon the pose. The magazines say otherwise. We spoke to Brad Boxall, former editor of the Picture magazine for seven years and later publisher of Picture and People magazines. He had this to say. 
The only acceptable vagina, as far as the classification board is concerned, is one that's neat and tidy in their eyes. They basically consider the labia minora too offensive for soft porn. Off the record, a number of men's mag insiders, including a current editor, confirmed this claim. To test it, we took our own series of pussy portraits, different women, all photographed in exactly the same way, to the board. Well, that would possibly be allowed, Mm -hmm. I think. Okay. And how about this? Possibly. This one? Uh, Possibly, but you quite... It's hard to say again without... So why do you hesitate a little more? I guess it's... um, Clearly there's more genital detail in that picture. Well, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I put it to the magazines that that they're doing this for commercial reasons and they um, vigorously deny that. They resent... They say they resent having to heal things to a single crease and that they're certainly not doing it um, for the taste... to suit the taste of their readership. Yeah. Um, As far as they're concerned, this is absolutely um, a classification issue. Mm. Well, that's their opinion. The classification board can spin it any way they like, but the effect of their decisions is that all but one particular body type is too rude to be shown in soft porn. Well, I think most women uh, don't really examine other people's uh, vaginas and so they don't really have an idea except from literature. And you don't see the normal range because all people that I see fall into a normal range, but they have issues with at looking a little bit untidy or too bulky or, you know, too pendulous. Um, so that, I think, is, is a major reason why people sort of seek out improving their little bits, I suppose, for want of a better word. What's happening here is far more than just photoshopping out blemishes. It's actually removing a part of the human body. Well, obviously it would be better if we didn't have to do it. I mean, this is reality and we're messing with reality. This is what people actually look like. For every woman who seeks surgery because she thinks she looks abnormal, there are many more who are embarrassed and self-conscious about having lippy lady bits. If the classification guidelines are preventing a certain body type from being shown, then maybe they should be reviewed. You can see extended interviews with the classification board, with the magazine graphic designer and with Dr Kamina on our website. And yeah, we know that technically the external female genitalia is called the vulva and that the vagina refers to the inside bit. We just wanted to use common language so that we didn't confuse people. Plus, we just like saying vagina. Vagina. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that.